Warning. The Up Talk podcast may contain laughing and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please be aware that this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of Midland's Office Season 1. It may contain spoilers for other anime. So be careful if you haven't finished them. And finally, please be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Talk podcast as a whole. Hey everybody, it's Lee Ferritson Day. Dinger, dinger, dergen. Oh, hey mates, it's Lee Ferritson Day. Oh, wait, there's a note. Uh, hey Jet, we went to the store to pick up some Viking hentai. The Dub Doc Roo. P.S. Happy Lee Ferritson Day. Hinger ding. Aw, why didn't they wait for me? Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, where a band of Vikings who the countryside, contemplate the futility of violence, and talk about English sounds for anime. I'm Jet, and I'm joined tonight by Stephanie. Yarg, we mateys. That, that's, that's a Viking, right? No, okay, I'm wrong. I'm gonna go sit. Uh, so I mean, okay, I mean, that's pirates, which is uh, close enough to what we're talking about, so I'm gonna pass. I mean, okay, alright. Vikings raid and pillage, so I guess? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick? Crikey, not a Norse marauder. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, that is a very deep cut, and if you know it, I need to look. I need to look around, because you live in my general vicinity. <laughs> and Andrew. Hey, it's Leif Erickson Day. Hinger, dinger, dinger. What the fuck <laughs> that? That's a SpongeBob <laughs> reference, darling. Uh, my sister was the one who loved SpongeBob. I thought it was obnoxious. Oh, wow, it's Steph's getting canceled tonight. It's not even been in, like, a minute. Fuck off! Oh. SpongeBob is overrated. <laughs> oh, man. As a reminder, the views and opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dumb Talk podcast <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> Yarn, oh, takes. Yeah, uh, so, uh, anyway... <laughs> And we are all here tonight to talk about the dub to Witch Studios and the original offer, Makoto Kimura's historical Viking epic, Vinland Saga. Woo-hoo! Uh, specifically, though, we're talking about the dub produced by Sentai Filmworks, because for those who missed that whole bit of drama, uh, earlier this year, Sentai announced that they picked up Vinland Saga for home video after it's been a couple of years locked up, locked up at Amazon Prime Jail, and that they'd be giving the dub. However, a few days before Sentai announced a cast for their dub, it got leaked via VPN that Netflix had apparently commissioned their own dub of Vinland Saga using California talent and recorded at Studio VSI. Uh, there was some confusion as to if this meant that Sentai also had that dub, but then, sure enough, Sentai announced the cast for their dub shortly afterwards, featuring their usual staple of Houston-based actors, Meaning that we somehow ended up with two dubs of Vinland Saga that were recorded around roughly the same time, as opposed to, say, Sentai redubbing something like Hocking Rui for Home Video is, after that dubbed it. It is so weird and confusing, because Andrew and I we were talking about the other day, and, um, because it's gonna mean, like, future seasons of Vinland are gonna be in a weird situation, but we, I think the closest comparison, I think, to Vinland's situation that we thought of was Diagonal in the Animation. Right. Which the only reason they were able to get Bryce Pappenbrook for Makoto Nayagi is because 
the the cast of the game was already cast and being worked on, and that information came out internally at Funimation while he was over there recording for Titan. And then they're like, okay, you want to just be Niagi in our dub? And then he was. Yeah, so it's it's a very weird situation. <laughs> it's gonna, Actually, gonna cost me I can... I think, too. I can think of another situation that probably leans a little closer to what we're dealing with now. Which which one then? Um, and that would be Dragon Ball Super. Oh my god. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. You're right. There's an English dub that was produced at Bang Zoom for the Southeast Asian market. Yeah, I forgot and they were about that. And it was produced roughly around the same time as Funimation's. That's hilarious. I forgot about that situation. So it is, it, you're right, that is similar, especially because presumably that dub has not been made available worldwide. Mm -hmm. The Netflix one has not been made available worldwide. Yep. Yep, as of the time of this recording, the Netflix dub is still not available outside Japan, and given Sentai has labeled theirs as the official dub, I'm kind of sorry to wonder if it ever will be, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll I, see what happens. I guess it depends on future seasons, because Mandrew and I are just like, how the fuck's that going to work? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> it, depends on, okay, it depends on future seasons. It also depends on how the production committee feels, because, I mean, um... As, 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 I mean, Japanese companies do have their own frustrations with how Netflix does things. So True. I'm pretty sure they would not be opposed to having a dub of Vinland. They have a, they have full control the ma over. The major thing that we need to preface, this is the Sentai dub of Vinland Saga we yes. are covering and reviewing tonight. Yes. Granted, I suspect, and I was saying this beforehand, there's gonna, there's gonna be people in the comments who are gonna be, but this isn't right, that's supposed to be this person. It's like, bro, we told you. We told you which one we're covering. Because for all intents and purposes, this is the one we have. We have made our legal disclaimer. At that, at this point, it's on you. Yes. Yeah. Also, this is the only one that counts for the dubbies this year, so hey! <laughs> there we go. Woo! Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's a pretty crazy situation, but we should probably start talking about the actual show. So for anyone who's not familiar with Vinland Saga, here's a synopsis from ANN. Oh boy! Uh, Thorfinn is son to one of the Vikings' greatest warriors, but when his father is killed in battle by the mercenary leader Ascalon, he swears his intent to have revenge. Thorfinn joins Asalon's crew in order to challenge him to challenge him to a duel, and ends up getting caught in the middle of a war for the crown of England. That's just scratching the surface, bro. <laughs> if if yeah. if you want to be technical, mm -hmm. the entirety of the anime we just watched is only scratching the surface. Yes, because. <laughs> I'm going to say this right now. The title of episode 24 of fucking Vinland Saga is just simply End of Prologue. That will tell you right there. There is so much more to this fucking story. This is figuratively and literally an epic. Yes. Yes. Both in the theoretical and the literal sense. You literally just repeated uh, what I just said. Uh, 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 yes, uh, yes, because for those who do not know, this is uh, this is a uh, this is a loose retelling of uh, actual historical events uh, with Vikings, in meaning that there are some actual historical figures we'll be talking about today. 
you mentioned that you were making, like, you were going through earlier, and you're like, I didn't realize how many historical figures are actually tied into this freaking show. I, I, yeah, I mean, I knew who the major ones were. I, I just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew who the, yeah, I knew who the most important ones were, but, like, there were a couple where I was like, oh, okay, I didn't think this guy was actually real. <laughs> I only recognize one name in the, in the cast that we're talking about, and it's like, oh, I know exactly who this guy is in history. Everybody else, I'm like, who the f-? It's like, how the fuck are these guys connected? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so first off, we'll start with talking about the ADR voice directors for the show and the adaptive scriptwriters. Uh, for the directors, we have Kyle Colby-Jones and John Swayze, as well as Mike Hiberto as the assistant director. And for the adaptive scriptwriters, we have Joel McRae and Kyle Colby-Jones. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Jones has done voice directed on such shows as Godsman Crowds, Haiku, Parasite to Maxim, and No Game No Life. John Swayze has directed Dobbs on such shows as After the Raid, Air Gear, Ucho Tora, and the Delabru franchise. And Mike Kaimono has assisted directed on such shows as He Sent on Double Baki, He Sent on Double Pure Mask, and Kukeke Shoujo. And script wise, Kukeke Sh- I mean, script wise, Joel McRae has done adaptive scripts on such shows as Ahiro Sora, Blade of the Immortal, Chihai Firu, and Get a Roba Arc. And lastly, Kyle Jones has done adaptive scripts on such shows as A Comic Got Kill, Princess Principle, Food Wars, and Obey's New Sabbath Season. Uh, so, uh, for tonight, I kind of like to do this round robin style. So, right. uh, just, so, just, uh, whatever thoughts you guys have. I'm looking up Joel McRae real quick, because this is the. F- I've never heard of this name before. So okay, someone uh, else go ahead. Yeah, I'm, so, looking, yeah, I'm looking up. Okay, so yeah, Joel so, Mc- yeah, so I gotta, yeah, so I gotta say, yeah, so I'll be noted, Joel McRae. I gotta say right away, I really like the script for this dub. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because I'm looking at yeah, Joel McRae specifically because yeah, this is the first time I've ever this- seen him listed as a writer and. Oh, Dur- okay, yeah, Duration. Yeah, yep, okay. Th- yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I will admit that while I haven't, like, watched it in full, I have, like, seen little bits of the Netflix dub of Vinland Saga via VPN just mm-hmm. to do some comparisons. Okay. I will say that, like, what I've seen of, like, compared to that dub, this one, script-wise, simply has a lot more prose, which is uh, something I personally appreciate, especially for a show like this that's, like, you know, so based in history, so I feel like having... So I feel like having a script with a lot of prose kind of really helps you add to the flavor in a way, and and it definitely makes the dub feel a little more colorful. And um, also, speaking colorful, there's definitely a lot more colorful language in this dub because there are quite a few fucks to be had. So (laughs) there are like zero fucks to be had, literally. Uh, there's not zero. There's been there, I counted okay, at least okay. fifteen to twenty fucks that were given. <laughs> okay, I I I used the wrong wording, but you, yeah, you did. I did. <laughs> there were quite a few fucks given. There were quite. A, there was a lot of fucks given. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm looking real quick at Joel McRae, and there's only like two shows that I recognize potentially writing for. Most of his other credits are usually like disc authoring, uh, Blu-ray authoring, that kind of stuff. So this is interesting. Okay. So. I'll say this, just because you didn't mention it. It's very nice to see a show go for the colorful language. Because sometimes... How do I describe this? 
if there is too much, it can get distracting sometimes, unless that's the tone you're going for. If there's little cursing or F-bombs dropped, it almost seems very awkward. It legitimately became like a meme for the entirety of Persona 5 Vanilla, where it seemed like Ryuchi Sakamoto was banned from saying fuck, despite so many scenes where it was like, okay... He wants to say fuck so bad, and it's always F that. It's like, no, let the boy say fuck once. Here's my thing with um, the cursing. These are fucking Vikings. This is probably exactly how they spoke to each other on a daily basis. They are crass, vulgar, mm -hmm. and violent men. Yes. So it, it seems very... Na like, the amount of cursing that was in there, it wasn't overbearing, but... It was at appropriate moments. It was at, it was appropriately timed, and it came out of the characters where it really needed to come out of the characters. Like fucking Thorfinn, for instance. Like, telling Askeladd to fuck off. Askeladd, for example, another example, saying, you're a fucking, fucking piece of shit. Like, it's, it's, it's used at appropriate times, and it's not overbearing. But also, again, these are Vikings. This is normal for them. And kind of going back to Jet's comment about, like, I think it was Jet, I don't think it was you, like, the prose in the writing, it, I really liked it. It worked very, very well. And you, you described one of you the- You being who? This is audio. And, okay. Andrew described, when we were watching it, one of the performances in this show, and I know it's going to be brought up, as one of the most Shakespearean as, as Andrew's ever heard this actor. And- be I think the writing has a, a bit to do with that. Like, it, it, with the amount of prose and stuff like that, it feels like it's an epic Shakespearean tragedy of sorts. It works so well. I have to commend both um, Joel and Kyle on that, 100%. It, it's like a combination of, like, a Shakespearean a Shakespearean play with, mm -hmm. like, an HBO Showtime oh, like, yeah. epic fantasy it historical series. It works so well. Yeah, and uh, speaking of these, and uh, speaking of the history here, uh, one other bit, that, uh, one other bit I appreciate about the adaptation here is that um, this is that uh, the language barrier between characters does get brought up every now and then. Yes. And I appreciate that this dub, uh, the go around for that is using accent in English. Yes, because didn't you say you told us in the group chat the, that the Netflix version didn't do accent work, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. At least from the clips I saw, there wasn't really any accent of work. So, so. Uh, whereas this sub does that, and I feel like it definitely works because uh, obviously the Japanese version didn't bother with any of that. So right. you would have characters acting like they didn't understand what the other was saying while they were all speaking neutral mm -hmm. Japanese. So, uh, so, so this work, so this definitely works better in my mind. It also helps make the world feel a lot bigger and yes. grander in scope once you hear all these different tongues and dialects interacting with each other because you have because you have danes and englishmen interacting no, with each other I mean, on a single march while arguing about the difference between valhalla and jesus christ but you don't just have english and danish you also have there was uh, there was french involved there was Irish Scottish in there. Oh my god. I know I know we're not too. gonna talk about the guy. I just I just need to shout out Greg Cote's <laughs> like <laughs> horrifying 
terrifying gremlin titan reject child man who's a who's a prince or a commander or some shit he was for the some french f- army he was some french fat fuck <laughs> and he was just he's chewing up the scenery it was so good he was literally chewing his jaw like unhinged yes! from his fucking head <laughs> i loved it it was great no but like the accent work does make it feel a lot bigger. Is the accent work 100% accurate? I wouldn't know. I'm not used to talking to, like, Danish folk or fucking even French folk. I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but it's distinct enough to make it different. Like, you know this person is a Danish person. This person is French. Like, the distinction is well enough, I think. It adds a nice... It adds a nice, rich flavor mm-hmm. to the texture of yes. this show. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also something there's also something that I didn't know until actually it was Patrick who pointed it out to me that um even that unlike the Jap- that unlike even the Japanese version of this show, uh, this dub actually uses the correct Norse pronunciation for all the names. Really? Really? Well I don't know if it's correct per se, but it feels It feels like they it feels like they definitely tried to go for it. It feels like more of an effort, I guess. Yeah, because I get the impression that the Japanese are not as familiar with like the Norse Norse terminology and language, and probably had trouble pronouncing some things. Which I, I do appreciate that like a couple of name pronunciations were slightly different than how I expected. Mm-hmm. I th- I I read Askeladd as it was read when it is actually more ap- apt and said throughout this dub as Ashlad. Yeah. I thought it was Askeladd, too, and then it said Ashlad. I'm like, oh, that, okay, the K is silent. <laughs> but given all, all things considered, so there had to have been some additional help with, like, the accent work, the pronunciations and stuff. From what we know of, I'm going to throw this out there, from what we know of the case study of fucking Vanitas, for example, the shit that we know about with the French pronunciations and stuff... How much you want to bet that that human being might have helped a touch with some of that? At least, especially with the French stuff. For sure. There's no way that person would not be helping with the French portion. Who could say? Who can say? Would not surprise me. Who could say? But I'll say, going into the the script, the colorful language, Mm -hmm. and the the accent work, which was all shockingly solid and fitting... I'm not going to say every performance in this is perfect. Right. There's a couple of shaky ones or slightly, like, weaker ones. I would say that's primarily with the background characters and the occasional secondary characters. Yeah. Which with... It's it's pretty common with Sentai stuff, I feel, though. I agree. But the main cast of characters, oh boy! Oh, I love it. The- I, I, I said to Jet earlier, I'm like, Jet, I fucking love you and I fucking hate you. Because, like, ah. <laughs> Dubbies. So, the characters that they needed to get right, the ones they, they right. absolutely needed to nail. Yes. Fucking nail it. Oh, they got it right. And it's amazing. I love it. Granted, it took a little bit for me for one in particular. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Sorry, we're we're stealing the conversation quite a bit. 
Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I really, yeah, but yeah, I was really happy with it with how this dub turned out. I mean, I figured that I figured that I was going to go and all it, but I think they really ended up turning in one of their best dubs today. It was a really impressive effort, I think. No, yeah, it's amazing effort, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add, Patrick? Uh, yeah. Um. Honestly, the, um, like, that one scene in Brittany, France, um, like, that, that little thing where they were, um, they were kind of raiding a French fort on the side while they were waiting for orders to, to go back into England. Oh, um, that's, in the that's Japanese the, that's the version, that was a cluster. Really? Um, because again, you have, um, like, everybody is speaking in Japanese. Um, when they are technically supposed to be speaking French, Norse, and English. And it just, it interfered with the experience, because they're saying, oh yeah, we need a translator to get in here to... Oh, that's right, because Thorfinn had to de had to be an envoy, and he had a translator. Tr oh, yep. I, yeah, I that, that did happen. So yeah. he was speaking, the translator was saying basically the same thing, mm -hmm. and it was really hard to follow, because I, I was trying to watch this mm -hmm. in Japanese as it aired. I got about halfway through. Okay. Um... But one thing I really appreciate um, with the Sentai dub is um, they did do the accent work in that scene, which helped kind of break things up a little. Mm -hmm. um, but not only that, um, what Thorfinn says and what the translator later says to the um, to the French guy, um, those were actually different. Yeah, that's right. They're not exact. With the, with the translator kind of paraphrasing everything Thorfinn yeah, yeah, yeah. is saying. Yeah, okay. So that way you have that distinction a little bit better, too. That's true. I like, it's those that. little kind of creative touches that kind of... Mm -hmm. That fill in and round out the dub. Uh, and not only that, um, you see certain characters kind of maturing through the course of the show. Yes. And the script writing around those changes is absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, two characters in particular. Yeah. There's just so much going on with it in a span of 24 episodes, and it's just handled so well on all fronts, really. Just again, the, yeah. just again some of the performances on the background characters with... At this stage, I like that's me beating a dead horse with any Sentai yeah. show. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, personally, there weren't too many background roles I had a problem with compared to other Sentai dubs, and that didn't yeah. really bother me any. But right, it's just, it's just, it's. It was less less often found in this one compared to most other Sentai shows. Yeah, which is which is good, <laughs> which is good all things considered. But there's always the one off on occasion where it's like, oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, uh, we should probably start talking about some characters. Uh, so first on our list, uh, we'll talk about some of Thorfinn's family and loved ones. Uh, we have Yilva, Helga, and Leif Erikson. Uh, Yilva is Thorfinn's sassy older sister. Helga is his mother who wants to belong to Danish nobility. And in the context of this story, Leif Erikson is a sailor who's a friend of the family. But, uh, however, Leif Erikson is an actual historical figure who was a Norse explorer, also known as Leif the Lucky, and was also the son of Eric the Red, who established the first Norse settlement in Greenland. Now, it is also believed that Leif was the actual first historical, the actual first European explorer to settle to North America. And, you know, not that genocidal nut town Columbus who couldn't even read the map right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, so, in that context, so... Leif tells stories to um, Thorfinn as a boy and also all the other kids in the village in Iceland about this mystical place called Vinland. So the assumption is basically Vinland is America, <laughs> essentially, at that point. I, at least the context that I've got from it. So. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that is where, I'm pretty sure that is Vinland historically. Okay. I want to say Vinland is um like in a historical context, I think Vinland is Nova Scotia. Right, 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 right. Okay. I haven't taken a history class in years. It's been forever. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so playing Yova, we have Olivia Swayze, who has played such characters as Bodoka Ibuchi and Ahirodosora, Harudo. Yuki Dosta in my team romantic company Stafu and Katrina Toby in let me say it right. Release the Sprice! What did you say? <laughs> he said, let me say it right. Release the Sprice! Okay. Spice must flow. Uh, so, no, I, no, I was trying to I was trying to do release the release the spice in like a silly accent. Oh I Oh got it. <laughs> gotcha. I haven't seen that fucking show. Anyway. <laughs> oh, and okay, so playing Helga, we have Patricia Duran, who has played such characters as Rico Hakozaki in Blue Into You, Higari in Ushio Tora, and just uh, just for a deep cut to Steph, yes. Hina Tachibana, domestic girlfriend. <sighs> You're a good man, Jet. Thank you. She's also in Doraku. I think it's uh, Julia is the character? I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. But yes, that's a fucking deep cut, and I hate you for it. Uh, and last week, Leif Erikson is played by John Swayze, who has played such characters as Yakuman Nomoto in Uchiha Matora, Von Holbein in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and All for One in My Hero Academia. Um, so I feel like we can probably start with uh, Patricia Duran as Helga, since there's not too... Much here. Yeah, out of the trio, not there's really. not a lot for Helga. Mostly because Helga's relegated usually to like the home because she's described as a, as a fragile, sickly woman. So not a lot for her. <laughs> but um, I think she gets more to do in the manga beyond where the anime left off. Mm, Ooh, like a little bit uh, more. Okay, that would not surprise. Good me. to know. Thank you. Okay. Considering we don't know what the fuck Thorfinn's plan is now, but hey, spoilers, we'll get to that later. Um, she sounds good, and yeah. she does a good job playing Helga, and I like her interactions with her family. Can yeah, so yeah, 
Yeah, I will say uh, the one scene with her I really liked was actually uh, that whole uh, flashback. Was that, that whole flashback and with Thor's when this, uh, when Yova was first born yeah. and Thor was getting ready to leave. Like he sh- before he before he named her, he oh, was yeah. like, "No, you're gonna sit down and name this baby." Oh yeah, like Helga is a Helga for the most part is a very gentle soul, very and especially like. Considering their family dynamic, he's a very gentle and kind soul, right? And, um, so seeing her be pissed at Thor's and be like, no, you asshole, name your daughter. Was pretty great. Yeah. It was good. Um, but I also want to point out, and I think this was a good scene for both Patricia and Olivia, actually, was when, um, they got the news of Thor's death and... Yiva is Yiva is just throwing herself into work. She is not dealing She's with it. She's not coping with it. She's not letting herself grieve. Nothing. And it, it, it goes on for like at least maybe like, what did, what did they fucking say? A solid week or so? At least. They brought up a time frame. And then one night Helga's like, okay, it's that's enough. You, you should stop now. You should go to bed. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. And she's like, Yiva. It's okay. And then she just straight breaks down. Again, it, like, Patricia's such a gentle, calming tone to that family dynamic. And then you have Olivia, who's just like... Like, she's basically a tomboy. <laughs> for, for like, uh, 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 yeah, her performance was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a tomboy. Like, straight tomboy, especially as the oldest child to a fucking Viking warrior such as Thor's, you know? So, she's just sort of like a little bit of a rough and tumble, not giving any shit about things. It's kind of fun, actually. So, to see Olivia have that moment of, like, breaking down, too, in that same scene, it just... It, it, it hurt. <laughs> it's like, you can finally feel her pain in that, so... It's, uh, yeah, uh, there's, uh, yeah, she also gets, like, a pretty, uh, decent amount of comedy, like, after, uh, like, after that bit in, like, after the bit in episode one where, uh, they take in the runaway slave only for the yeah. slave to, like, door to die shortly afterward, and then you see her, like, exaggerated willing about, like, how can you give up a perfectly good sheep for this? Yes, that was good. <laughs> so. Yes? Can I just say... Ilva is very hot, but it's a shame she's a little too pro-slavery for me to make this work. God damn it! <laughs> uh, it's kind uh, of a deal-breaker. Yeah. Listen, Ilva just doesn't want any fucking trouble. And can you blame her? Her, her dad decides to try and be this kind and gentle person... And, and gives up a lot of things for him and his family in order to help other people. And Ilva's just like, God damn it, Dad, again? Fuck. I, <laughs> Can look, you blame her a little? I, I understand her. I'm just saying she's really hot, but she's too pro-slavery for me that it kind of wins out against her me thinking she's too hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, do, I, also, I do also appreciate that whole bit where there's like, a bunch of male suitors lining up for her. She's just like literally too tired to. It's like it's it's that. it's too early in the morning. Why are you here? <laughs> like, they're about to go off to like what they think is this grand war, and it's just like it's. And then after they leave, it's like, oh yeah, they're sending out today, right? <laughs> She's <just> fucking tired. <laughs> Whoops. Oh yeah. 
fucking love it. Imagine she said yes to like all of them, and they're like, "Wait, you're her, you're her husband. You're... I thought I was the husband." And then she, and then she's just like, "Wait, which? Oh God, did I?" It's like, wait, what did I say? So <laughs> I didn't remember saying any of that shit. I was too tired. What? And then she, and then she just says yes to all of them, and then the rest just do the housework for her forever, and she retires. I mean, Eva <laughs> would fucking love that shit. Are you kidding me? Also, Olivia is pretty good. I think she's a little shaky in a few scenes, but I think she does a pretty good job she, for most of it. I think it's shaky in the be like the very beginning. The first episode's a little rough. She does get a little like pro she progresses it a bit more, and she does grow into like in the very few episodes that she's in there. Same with Patricia as Helga. Like they both progress rather well, and I think it ends up being solid. But definitely for me, in terms of Olivia, it's that scene where she breaks down where I'm like, okay, yep, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and then, and then, uh, John's going to leave Erickson, uh, definitely very, uh, theatrical, which, uh, definitely worked for this kind of character. No, yeah, for sure. Pretty much. Yeah, so, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do like. I do like his introduction where he's just like very boisterous when he's like talking about all his adventures as a sailor, like in front of the kids and trying to sound like a big shot. Oh yeah. And then you contrast that to when he shows up again in the last two or three episodes of the show. Yeah. Where he is basically just this broken down sailor. He's desperate to find Thorfinn and bring him home. Like he's been searching for. At that point, a decade. Yeah, I think he said like eleven years. Yes, he was out on the sea looking for him. Mm -hmm. Like, can you blame him? Like, he's he's like dejected and like running out of hope, and then it's all of a sudden fucking Thorfinn falling from the sky, like beating up a bitch. Like, he's oh, like, he's not beating well, him no, up. He's not stabbing only him. that, but he caught um he caught Oshlod on the boat. Yes. And, and he knew he was like, wait, if Ashlad's there, Thorfinn, he must be here. Because knowing that kid, that stupid kid, he followed him. Like, Leif is very resourceful and very smart. He's not an idiot. He's not the smartest person of the show, because we all know who the honor of that goes to. But <laughs> Leif's just a good, gentle dude. He is. Mm. Well, I yeah. mean... He's not the smartest, but he is the smartest one who actually uses his brains for, like, benevolence. Yes. He uses that his brains for exploration instead of how how hard and how fast can I stab this guy. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you can also tell that he's definitely the kind of person who's, like, seen a lot of time during his up as a sailor. And it's kind of like the uh, sobriness in John's recent performance when he's like telling Little Thorfinn about the time he got stuck in an iceberg and lost all of his friends. Oh yeah, that story comes up. He tells it to him when he when Thorfinn was a kid, but he also brings it up later on again. Recontextualization. Yeah. Just to try and get Thorfinn out of his little funk. That's the good thematic parallel. <laughs> mm. So yeah, all the so yeah, uh, uh, like all three of these performances, they were pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, Patricia mm -hmm. and Olivia are definitely pretty solid. I think Olivia is a little shaky in parts, but I think she definitely grows more into it, and yep. she does a good job with the emotional breakdown when it hits her. And Le Leif, you'd see him age very. 
I, I'd say gracefully, but he he ages, and I'd say John Swayze does a good job making him sound like a boisterous and confident sailor while also making him sound like a very tired and dejected man who's yep. doing his best to sail sail the current as he can. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, uh, so uh, we'll switch from Dorman's uh, family to talk about some of the members of Asalon's pirate band. Oh boy. Uh, so we've got uh, Bjorn, his second in command, uh, Torgrim and Utley, who are a pair of brothers that stick with Asalon because they think he's a good leader. And the ear who has, well, uh, very big ears and really good hearing. That's pretty self-explanatory. He ear good. <laughs> he ear good. Oh, come the fuck on. He ear good. Come the fuck on, Stephanie. <laughs> I said that. Andrew looks at me and he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Stephanie, this is me we're talking about. I make these terrible jokes. Even I'm like, oh, ew. Ugh. <laughs> now you know how I feel whenever you tell those fucking jokes. And I look at you and I'm like, Really? 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 <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, playing Bjorn, we have Andrew Love, who has played such characters as Bonzi and Blade of the Immortal, Hugh and Kiba, and Best Boy, Takeo Goda, and My Love Story. Hell yeah! Uh, playing Torgrim, we have Olanders Jones, who has played such characters as Asasi Izabane in Haikyuu, Iwanki in Run with the Wind, and... Shinichi Hageo in Mr. Tonegawa's Middle Management Blues. Hey. Uh, uh, playing Otley, we have Taima Haney, who has played such characters as Gin Dojima in Food Wars, Pinocchio in Five Brain Season 2, and Diamond in Samurai Gun. He's also, uh, lastly, I think he's also, um, Nozaki in Mothiko Sasaki-kun, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Yes, he is. Yep, and lastly, playing the ear, we have John Grimillion, who has played such characters as Daiju Watanabe in Eden of the East, mm -hmm. Draco Mihawk in One Piece, and Ares Moo in Isentai Demon Saint Seiya. Can I say something right off the bat since we're on the subject of John in the ear? Because <laughs> sure. I looked at this cast list, I saw John Gramillion was listed. And, um. So in episode. I thought the ear was an actual. like a mistype of some fucking sort. Because John is also the fucking lord in that first episode who's hunting down his goddamn slave. Oh, yeah, th yeah, that's also him. <laughs> yes, and I'm just sitting here, I'm like, oh, so he's gonna play a major role, and I never saw him again. I'm like, wait, who the fuck is this guy then? And then it's like, then you actually see the character of the ear, it's like, fuck you, that's not John Gramillion. <laughs> Fuck you! So I was like, wait, that's not him! I have two questions about the ear as a character. Okay. One. Is he a kinda racist Chinese caricature? He kind of looks it? Not gonna lie. I'm odd I, I wasn't sure. So. He looks it, but I don't know. Like, I'm not even sure, like, what Asia's uh, connection to the Danes or England were in the 1000s, but, I like, I literally couldn't stop thinking he kind of looks a little bit like a racist Chinese caricature. I mean, contextually, uh, was Marco Polo before or after? He had to have been Well after, right? after. Well after. I'm like, I'm trying to remember context. 15, I... Like, I think that was, like, 15th century. Right, okay. 
14th at the earliest. Yeah. Patrick, we are promoting you to our history expert for tonight's episode. <laughs> like, I, I love me my history, especially ancient history. Like, I, I loved learning ancient history when I was in um high school. Anyway, um... That wasn't... I had another question. Okay. What was his fate? That... Ooh! I think he died alongside the rest of Oshlod's men. About to say, like, I think that's the assumption, because you don't actually see him die. But he's not with, like, Torgrim and Otley. Like, I figured he would have at least gotten an on-screen death, but he kind of just disappears. he disappears. So I think the assumption is that he's just dead. Uh, It seemed odd, considering he did come up a lot more than I was expecting, but hey... John John does a fine job being the uh, sassy guy who's telling everybody to shut the fuck up. I gotta hear the horses, bro. <laughs> like that. That's not that, John. By the way, you. was a very important position in oh, yeah. like infantry. That doesn't surprise me. Fuck you. That's not John Gramillion. I'm sorry. <laughs> I still can't <laughs> believe it. Like I didn't hear it at first, and I'm like, what the fuck? That's John. And then there were points where I was like. I can kind of hear the cadence of his voice. The, like, the normal John that I'm used to. But it's like, fuck you, what? <laughs> uh, was yeah, and in terms it. of the performance, all he really gets to do is bicker with Oshlot a little bit. But I mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Torgrim and Otley. <laughs> These fucking idiots. They had a much bigger part than I was expecting. Yeah, they did. I also didn't expect Torgum to be the asshole to be like, hey, let's not work for Ashlad anymore because he's not a good leader anymore. I mean, We're going to you... go surrender to Torkel because we think he's going to be benevolent and let us live. Dumb and ass. then he doesn't. Well, no, Tor- no, Torgum and Otley do. No, I think he's been saying uh, Torkel was not benevolent. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Torkel was like, fuck you, bitch. I like fighting. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing about it is, it's not really even like malicious. It's just that, like, he just likes to fight. We're to, okay, okay, we're, okay, we're going to talk about this when we actually get to Torkel, but, like, I think of Torkel as being, like, a very over-enthusiastic joke. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so, if I was... <laughs> Okay. Okay, yep, I see it. So, to- not only that, I'm going to say Torkel. 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 Thor- Pronunciations. Either way. Bitch. I think it's Torkel. Torkel. Um, he w- I headcanon. He will 100% of the time jump into a mosh pit at a concert. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he will be the one, like, if the fighting starts in the mosh pit, he will be there to go with it. <laughs> like, he will punch a fucking dude's lights out. I see it. He, He'll be the one who threw the first punch. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> the second something goes wrong, he will be the one to throw the first punch if he needs to. <laughs> he will crowd surf not because he wants to ooh, hype up the crowd, but because he's trying to he's trying to set up the perfect elbow drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Torkum and Otley. He's the guy who pushes the six-year-old out of the line for, oh, my for God. like, a toy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but we'll be getting to him in a minute. Oh, God. See, no, now I want to continue this train. Cause... No, we can't. We're not even talking about Thorkel yet. Will Thorkel throw... <laughs> Thorkel will absolutely, like, body a 12-year-old so he could get a, new, a PlayStation 5. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> he will throw but punches yeah, on Black Friday. But yeah, Torgrim and Otley are just... I, I love... 
Orlanders Jones and Taima uh, Haney as Torgrim and Otley because they, they're just bros. They're like bros. It's in the literal, the figurative and literal sense. Like it's, <laughs> and they're so stupid. Like they're brothers in arms, mm-hmm. actual brothers and bros. That's like three layers of brodom. Yeah. We need to go deeper. Because, yeah, I also love. Yeah, I also like the whole little bit where they're where they're like talking about where they're talking with Priest Willemot about like the meaning of love and whatnot. Now, like, oh, yeah. we have like the, we have like this amazing brotherly blonde where like we'll stand by each other. Is this love? The priest is just like, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like the like fuck you, man, preacher man. <laughs> it was so good. No, both Verlanders and Ty are so fun. They have a, they add a fun dynamic to the to Os Os Oscalad Oscalad's merry little band of Vikings. It's they're, they're so stupid too. The most notable thing to me about uh, Torgrim's the the chubbier beard guy, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. The most interesting weird development to me about Torgrim's <laughs> development. He, he get okay. There's no way to put this. He gets mind crushed, a la Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. He literally gets like mind crushed, mind like he literally like mind breaks. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And basically, when things go wrong, when things go wrong, basically with Thorkel and uh, Thorkel, and he has to challenge Thorkel to a fight. Like Thorkel's like, "Come at me, bro!" And this man is like. He's just, he just mentally breaks. He literally breaks so much that, like, his brain, like, infant, infant, what you, infant? He regresses. He regresses, like, to an infant, and yep. it's so strange. He regresses, he suddenly, like, develops amnesia, because he doesn't even remember, like, even recognize his own brother. It's, it's insane, he's just, like, broken. It's... Oh, man. You kind of feel for him, but at the same time, it's like, bitch, you're an idiot. That's what <laughs> like... you call disassociating hard. Oh, yeah. But no, Orlanders does a good job with that. Mm-hmm. I also really liked the final scene with Atli and Ashlad, yeah. which was a very touching moment of, like, Ashlad being like, you're too good. You're too kind and nice and genuine yep. for this life. Get yourself some land, get yourself a nice wife, some kids, some sheep, and never step foot on the battlefield again. If I see you with a sword again, friend or foe, you're gonna get your fucking throat slit. So I say, your ass is grass. Like. Which is a very unique way of showing how much he cares. Considering what Ashlod's personality is like, not just personality, but his mentality... Because, oh boy, Ashlod is all fucking being in among, among himself, who apparently we find out hates the Danes. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the best one was that generous at all really says something. Right. Because so... at that point, by the point we got to that scene with um, Otley saying goodbye, Ashlod had, like, straight up said, no, nah, I fucking hate you assholes. <laughs> like, he doesn't give a shit. It... But now he's suddenly being kind to, to like, Otley. It so. is amazing how much the show made me care about a merry shit band of, like, thieves, plunderers, and murderers. Yeah. And made it feel genuine to the point it got some real emotion out of me. Which is a perfect segue to talk about Bjorn. Oh. Yeah. Bjorn! He's... Okay. <laughs> so, before we talk about the conclusion to this character, 
Let's talk about the fact that Andrew Love is very convincing at tripping fucking balls and going full Broly. Oh, oh boy. Oh, he's, okay. Like, in the the first opening of this, of this show... You how Bjorn is shown showcased in the opening is him eating what's called a berserker mushroom and him losing his shit and beating up some guys. That doesn't sound real. That sounds like a Mario power up. <laughs> it does, but he only eats the mushroom on two different occasions. That's it. <laughs> you never see him do it otherwise. He does it in the beginning when they're going up against Thor's, and then towards the end when he's. We're protecting the prince. He gets his ass beast twice when he uses the mushroom, so it's it's got a very bad lose lose ratio. It does. <laughs> it does. Uh, as uh, Rose is a very good anti drug PSA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, yes. When he used it against Thor's, mm-hmm. Thor's was not aiming to kill him. Still, he got his ass handed to him. Oh, I, he absolutely did. Thoris wasn't aiming to kill anybody. Bjorn, about to go into, about to throw hands with a guy. We'll post video later. I got my ass beat. I ain't posting that shit. That's <laughs> 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 so like Bjorn. <laughs> but like, not just. I, I really love Andrew. No, Andrew loves because. Oh, thanks. Well, I love you too. But <laughs> we're not talking about. Well, I'm not talking about you, sweetheart. I'm talking about. Andrew, love. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> He's looking at me like, yes, I am Andrew and I am your love. <laughs> like, I don't see the problem here. <laughs> I know what you meant. Continue. Anyway, so Andrew Love is Bjorn. Like, there's a lot more to him because he comes off as this big, stocky, like, brute figure. He's not as big as Torkoal because Torkoal is the fucking giant. But, um,. Bjorn is probably the only person that Askeladd really trusts in everything. Like, and not only that, but I feel like Tor- Um, I was about to say Torkoal. Wrong one. Bjorn is this- to, to, For Askeladd, is kind of this moral center for him at times. Like, it kind of- He kind of helps ground Askeladd in certain situations. And- Andrew Love, I think, does a phenomenal job with that because it shows he's a bit more of a gentle giant than what he's made out to be when you first really get to see Bjorn in action in the fir- in, like the first two episodes. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the first yeah the first two episodes, it's like he comes off as like very much a meathead, yeah. which is the kind of thing Andrew Love generally excels at doing. Right. And and he and like and he is that a lot of time, but he also does have like his quieter moments, like. It's a, like I like I like I particularly like like when he's like talking with little Thorfinn and yes. Thorfinn's like it's a, it's a, and Thorfinn's like it's all your fault like if you hadn't gotten away my dad would have survived and and it, like and Bjorn being like no in the end your father was too soft no yeah like that first like real interaction that Thorfinn has with Bjorn when he was a kid like that was a very early indication of Bjorn's true nature of him actually like in his own way, being this gentle giant. Like, not 100% gentle, because he will fucking bash your head, and if you if he has to do it, he will fucking do it. He's also probably committed some war crimes. I mean, yes. Episode 14 was a thing. <laughs> ah! Okay, every, like, everyone committed war crimes in episode 14. Everyone. Everyone. You can't even say the, <laughs> you can't even say the prince is innocent. <laughs> like... Let, let's put it like this. 
Vinland Saga is a show where your favorite is absolutely problematic. Yes. <laughs> like, but, um, no, like, Bjorn has, like, a more softer, gentler side, and he, at points, is not only Ashlad's confidant, but, like, again, that moral center. Be like, Ashlad, are you sure this is what you want to do? This doesn't seem right, you know what I mean? Especially when Ashlad starts running, having his string of bad luck. In, like, the second half of the show, um, Bjorn's just like, dude, I don't know about this. Like, you really sure this is the right call? Like, think about this, man. Like, it's it's very interesting. And then, oh my god. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to say that, as it's Andrew brought up episode 14, like, man, Andrew loves a little bit episode 14 was actually pretty terrifying. Like, when he's, like, breaking into the house of, like, that group of villagers. Yeah, like, that was scary. That, that was chilling. That was scary. But can we also talk about what makes me very sad about Bjorn? How he how he ends up at the end of the show. How he goes out. Yeah. It makes me sad. Like, because I know you were just saying, Jet, that Andrew Love typically plays meathead characters, and they are really good meathead characters. But we also sometimes forget that Andrew Love also has really good dramatic chops as well. Mm. Mm. And his final, I guess, quote-unquote duel, I say quote-unquote because technically he's getting Oscala to basically put him down and send him to Valhalla, because at this point, Bjorn was going to die regardless from his wounds. And when he's basically like dying in Ashlad's arms and he goes to him and he's like I always wanted to be your friend and Ashlad's looking at him and is like you are my friend you're a true friend mm-hmm. through and through I cannot believe that show made something as simple as you are my friend genuinely touching and emotional. I thought it would be cheesy in a setting like this, no. but no, it actually worked and it hit. I'm like, given the fuck. S- given the stakes and the, like, intensity of that scene, bo- kudos to, like, both Andrew and Ashlod for that. I mean, granted, Ashlod has a lot of fun fucking moments, but that's later. <laughs> but no, like, you sometimes forget that when you see, like, usually, like, typecast an actor in certain, like, roles that it's like hey they actually like have these dramatic chops to them and this is a very good case of that with andrew love because oh my god <laughs> i love it i was so sad for bjorn i almost started crying i'm like no my gentle giant friend i want you to stay <laughs> it was so precious you did great andrew don't, Thank, don't, do, yeah. don't do shrooms. <laughs> yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. Yeah, uh, anything you want to add, Patrick? I mean, I'll have more, probably have a little bit more to say about um, Bjorn's death um, when, we when, we, when we get to Ashlad. Oh, yeah. But he is just the sort of, you know, for the guy who was introduced eating a mushroom and beating the pulp out of friend and foe alike. Mm-hmm. Um, he is incredibly... He has a wisdom to him that yeah. 
belies both his appearance and personality. Mm. Uh, I, I think Andrew Love captured that pretty well. And... Though I gotta say, he, he went out like a boss, so... He did. He went out like a true fucking boss. Granted, I'm gonna also say this. Ashlod went out like a fucking champ. God damn it. We'll, we'll get to that. Oh we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Sorry. Oh boy. As you can probably guess, you know who my favorite character is in this show now. <laughs> fucking hell. So, yeah. Uh, no, legitimately, Andrew Love was really good as Bjorn. I, I loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah, yeah Andrew, Andrew Love was fantastic. And all four of these actors, uh, bang a job. I'm still like, fuck you, that's not John Carmillion. <laughs> but, but still. <laughs> okay, uh, so now we're going to move a little higher up the social ladder and talk about the Danish King and some of his retainers. Uh, so we have King Swain Forkbeard, who is the King of the Danes, and the father of Prince Canute. Uh, he is, of course, another actual historical figure, and uh, notably took the throne after overthrowing his father, Harold Bluetooth. Uh, during his time, he ruled most of Norway and became the first Danish king to take control of England before dying a few weeks afterwards, hmm. which may or may not be relevant to the purposes of this particular story. That's interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, as... That's right. uh, yeah, uh, you, yeah, you, you can definitely tell where uh, they decided to get creative with uh, how he died. Really? Oh, boy. <laughs> Don't say. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, for, uh, as for Ragnar, he is Canute's most loyal attendant and is extremely unprotective. Uh, Floki is a Yon's Viking commander who is originally tasked with bringing back Thors for the invasion of England. And Blackmails have been cooperating, but secretly hires Aslan to assassinate him before he can make it out to the battlefield. Of all the characters uh, I'm surprised survived the end of this show, I'm shocked Floki was one of them. Say, yeah, I yeah, hate yeah, Floki yeah, with a passion. Yeah, yeah, basically everything that happens is this dude's fault. No, yeah, sucks. if Floki didn't decide <laughs> to be a dick... We wouldn't have this story, so all, I guess we have to thank him for that. But still, of also <laughs> oh, of all the characters too, he aged like fucking milk. Oh god, <laughs> that's not even counting King Swain either, because he always looked like that from what we saw. So like, oh no, yeah, Floki aged like awful. King Swain was rotting, was rotting like the fucking royal family. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> accurate. Yeah, accurate. And uh, lastly, Priest Willibald is a priest who serves as Canute's religious teacher and spends a lot of his time drinking and contemplating the meaning of love. I love the priest. It's so funny. So, Jet, buddy, if you would have told me that the most interesting, philosophically challenging character in the entire fucking show was a drunk 23-year-old man who's a priest <laughs> questioning his faith and the concept of what true love is, I would have called bullshit on you. But here we are, and I'm going to argue that Willibald might actually be the most interesting, complex character in this show. Really? <clears throat> okay. I mean... 
from a philosophical standpoint, I under I see it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, playing King Swain, we have uh, Louise Galindo, who has played such characters as Kasuke and Hamatora, uh, G.T. Sagawa and Kokuku, and Nobuhide Oda in Nobunaga the Fool. Playing Ragnar, we have the great Rob Bungle, who has played such characters as Subaru Mimisaka in Food Wars, Bill Collins in Gunsmith Cats, Hideo Kim in Jessica Prince, and what I personally know him for best, Dumas and Kiba, because I was a pretty big fan of that show back when it was on Tsunami Jetstream. Uh, playing Floki, we have Jay Hickman, who has played such characters as uh, Alexander W. Wood in Babylon, The Fool and Kaleido Star, Crossing Long Horizon, and the most illustrious of roles, the Giraffe and Review Starlight. Oh, I understand. I understand. Because <laughs> we have to bring that up every fucking time, because yes. we can't not do that. And I'm just going to bring it up, yes, I know sex is a CGI giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lastly, playing Priest Willibald, we have Kyle Kobe Jones, who you'd obviously know more for his directing work, but has done some voice acting and has played such characters as Candy and Flagwitch, uh, Alan Frothmel and Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in the Dungeon Season 2, and uh, Shinsuke Sasagugu in Get Top of the Movie and Get Top of the Final. Weirdly, he, yes, he was weirdly one of the characters who was a reprisal from the Sentai of the Gintama movie. God, that's so fucking wild. See, now I have to look because I don't think we've, as far as I know of, we haven't really ever talked about Kyle Kobe Jones's acting, mostly directing. So now I'm looking real quick to see if I can find anything else. This? Yeah, 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 I do do want to talk about him, but I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time on him. I would like to talk about the king briefly first. You say something, Jeff? You say something, Patrick? At least it was okay. Um, I actually do kind of want to start with Priest Willibald. Go for oh, it. Oh, okay. Because... Uh, uh, sure. All right. Uh, sorry, but... um, Because I've been waiting since we were talking about Ascalod's band to uh, to say this. Um, my favorite scene with him... Um, Torgrim and Otley were basically arguing about the... Um, the nature of the Norse gods versus um, oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. Right. They're they're having the fight over it, and then they're just like, you know, yeah, you, priest, you've got a little bit of experience with Christianity. Who'd win in a fight, Jesus or Thor? <laughs> yeah. Um, conversation goes on a little bit, and then it's just like, oh, yeah, well, who do you like better, the, the Christian Jesus or the Norse gods? And he just turns to them and dead ass <laughs> replies the one who invented drink yes what a fucking hero <laughs> I love it fucking <laughs> <laughs> will ball just okay. like booze booze wins whoever made booze <laughs> you're, you're, you're right that's just such a fucking amazing raw moment it was so good <laughs> I um I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, (laughs) Louis um, Galladino as Swain is just... He is just dripping with scuzz. Oh my god. (laughs) Bro. Like, everything that leaves his mouth is just a political scheme. Like, a political... Just this conniving little shit. Because... 
we find out from Ragnar that the only reason why Prince Canute's even on the battlefield is essentially King Swain's trying to get his ass killed <laughs> without having to do it himself. Like, he's trying to do, what the fuck's the term, patricide? Yep. Is that the term? Yeah, he's trying to commit no, patricide. No, patricide is murdering your father. Um, uh, regicide? Yeah, yeah. There regicide. it is. I was like, well, there's a Regicide there's a term. is murdering a king. Um, oh, shoot. Crap. Oh, what was the term they used in the Filicide. show? Filicide. Filicide? There, there it is. is. I was like, it's one of those sides. Like There's there's many sides to a story. Oh, just. Especially a story like Vinland Saga. No, yeah, he's, he's trying, <laughs> basically King Swain is trying to commit filicide against Canute. Like, if that doesn't tell you the kind of person Swain is, like... But no, but yeah, I, Lewis is just dripping with this level of malice and, like, detest for the situation. Mm -hmm. But I also love, like, the shit-eating, like, fake ass smile he's putting on oh at the in like the final God. in like the penultimate episode when he's like thanking all the warriors yep. and he's like I love your input you yep. have offered you are a true loyal a retainer and then just yep. goes up to him and being like it's the prince or whales yep <laughs> you pick one or the other i won't allow other and also when he insults fucking when he insults Ashlad's mom, it's oh, like, oh bitch. <laughs> oh the the two things you don't badmouth to Ashlad about, his mother and fucking whales. You're done. <laughs> like that's the two <laughs> things in his life that he actually gives a shit about. And it's I mean, like you, you if you, you shit on whales and you shit on Ashlad's mother, you're gonna get a bit of a short haircut. <laughs> As King Swain has so wonderfully demonstrated. Ashlod's the lone mama's boy in a show of kids with daddy issues. <laughs> I mean, Ashlod does have his own daddy issues too, when you really think about it. True. He is a mama's boy. He's very much a mama's boy, but he has his daddy issues too. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> Lewis is great as uh, Swain. Oh, it's oh, so yeah. scummy. Oh, speak, oh, speaking of dads, um, Ragnar is... I love Ragnar! Ragnar is the kind of father figure that will wants to be texted immediately as soon as you get to your friend's house safely. He's also <laughs> the one who would make you text him every hour just to make sure you're safe. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I love... I... I'm a really big fan of Rob Bogle, and I just love how well he can do, like, really pop his performances like this. It's so good. It's so fun. But he's also, like, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Ragnar is a bossy-ass bitch. Like, there's, uh, he's always complaining about something along the whole way. <laughs> always complaining about something that As Asklad is doing because he thinks he's doing it wrong. <laughs> he's like, Asklad, Which... where are you? <laughs> Which ironically, yeah, I know he said things, but not nearly as many about episode fourteen. Yeah, he he detested it, but he was also he also will basically let it slide for the sake of his highness. Right, like he he's not a fan of it, but at the same time, if he was complicit. But that's also at the same time. 
we didn't know what at the time about the um, fatricide, filicide? Filicide. Filicide, thank you. Words. We didn't know that King Sway was going to commit filicide. We didn't know about it until fucking Ragnar is like stabbed literally in the back <laughs> by Asklod and his group to try and per, like get the prince to fucking grow. And they got rid of the softy that was holding him back. And then Ragnar's just telling Oskolod what's actually happening. And Oskolod's like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> Ragnar to Oskolod is the equivalent of getting fired from your job and then being forced to train your replacement immediately after. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. I have great. actually been there. It sucks. Oh, <laughs> oh no. But, but is that not an accurate summation of what happened there it's very or much. less because ragnar is basically like you better be a good attendant for the press yeah 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 and i appreciate that like literally as soon as he got stabbed he saw asshole he's just like oh okay so this is what's happening it's like he accepts he accepted and he's just like okay fine if this is how it's gonna go Oscar, you better be a fucking good retainer to his prince and protect him. Oh, also his dad's trying to kill him. And Oscar's just like, you bitch. <laughs> it's like, why don't you tell me this now? I would have let you live, fucker. It's like, you fucker. I would if you told again, me. again, something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically Oscar. It's like, you ass. Why didn't you? It's like, now you tell me this is happening. <laughs> I mean, to Ragnar's credit, he didn't know who to trust in that moment with all the information. But he kind of under like he got a sense of Osclod's like character character and prowess though. So he so I think it got Ragnar to accept the fact that okay, this is happening. All right. You better be fucking good to my prince or I'm going to come back and kick your ass in the afterlife. And yes, Ragnar is the physical embodiment of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 scene. He may have been your father. But boy, he wasn't your daddy. Oh yes, oh yeah. Uh, that joke may not come up in an entirely different context later today. That can come up to in a lot of different <laughs> contexts. <laughs> oh man, the show is about good dads, bad dads, and fucked up kids. I'd say Leif has a dad bod. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> Fucked up kids, let's be real. Like, you have Thorfinn, and then to an, and then, like, to an extent, Canute himself, too. Yeah, like, there's a lot of dad stuff, but no, I agree. Rob Mongol has this very strong, mm -hmm. overbearing, but kindness that he shows to Canute. Yes. And it's genuinely really sad and touching once he's passing away. And especially during his, uh, Jedi Force Ghost dream. Oh, yeah, 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 with, um, Canute. Mm -hmm. Which was also that. emotional, but there's no other way to really describe that, but, like, he was, like, Jedi was ghost. He was literally Jedi ghosting him for one last time. It was very heart-wrenching between Ragnar and Canute, for sure. It was like, oh, no. Mm. Like, all of the deaths in this show, they make them more meaningful. And it just hurts. But, yeah. They make it hurt, and it's great. No, Rob is, Rob is rag is reg. Yeah, it's great. And uh, moving on to Jay Hickman as Foki, I'm going to say, like, I think he needed, I think it took him, like, maybe about an episode or so to, like, fully get into the character, I would say. Yeah, because, yeah. like, Floki in, the in like, the first episode where he's introduced kind of comes off as, like, 
like, unassuming, and just, like, this noble figure, and then you learn what his actual intentions are. Yeah, I think in the first episode, it was a little shaky, and I think yeah. he might have had a little trouble with some of the pronunciation. Also, right? probably keeping to the accent, which honestly is, like, one of, yeah, of the main characters, one, one of the, the most too. notably distinct accents in the yes. show. It's a very thick, like, Norse brode. Yes. Which, honestly... Jay kind of nailed, like, he actually did do it very well, and it was very convincing throughout. I actually had a hard time telling it was Jay Hickman throughout. He, mm-hmm. he was very convincing, and it did a good job playing this, uh, two-faced little turd muffin who aged like shit. He did a very good job <laughs> uh, at character. making me hate I mean, Loki. That is character terrible. This character's awful. Can it be real? Like, Floki is a big doer mm-hmm. in the course of the show, but you don't see too, too much of him. He's... Like, in I, in the meat of the show. Yeah, I think he's, like, a, in a way, kind of the ideas man. Because that bitch ain't gonna kill Thor's himself. He's he's gonna hire someone else to fucking do it. He's a, He does not want to get his own hands dirty, but yes. he will do whatever must be done for the sake yes. of his king. Uh, yeah, 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 to which, yeah, to which, yeah, to which, it really does beg the question, like, uh, okay, so, okay, so we know he, like, pulled the whole assassination thought on, the whole assassination plot on Thor's. Yes. Which meant, the, which meant the question, like, did the king even know that Thor was actually alive in that case? Because that because it was impl- because it was implied that Floki was trying really hard to make sure that Thor was killed in that unassuming way because he knew that if he like tried to do it himself he wouldn't be able to explain the losses which would imply that the king might not have known he was trying to have Thor assassinated. Well, I mean, Floki was jealous because he didn't want Thor to come back and then get noticed by his king Sama, where he will well, get ignored. <laughs> For the much more appealing well, hold on. Thor's. Hold on. It's not even that, because the other issue is the like tradition of the Yom's Vikings. Which, which I love that they say Yom's Vikings, Yom's by the Vikings, way. Which is their 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 laws and mandates are if you are a traitor, it is a death sentence for you. Right? <laughs> and considering that they're in the middle of this goddamn war, to Floki's credit, it's actually a smart move. That he didn't sacrifice his own men to do this, and rather is just like, let's find a rogue band of fucking pirates or Vikings or something to take this man out, because we're fighting a goddamn war. I don't want to lose men for that. So, I. T- the other part of it too, though, is the king. The king doesn't necessarily have to be involved in whether or not Thor's he finds out Thor's is alive or not, because it's their chieftain. Right? The chieftain would be the one who would be more involved, correct? In that regard, the chieftain of the the village that Thoris was involved in. And I mean, it's also the same fucking chieftain who's like, here, marry my daughter Helga. (laughs) Like, you know, I I, I think if I'm correct, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, You would think the chieftain would be the one who's more involved in that sort of thing and not the king. Right? Unless I'm wrong. Floki's good. Jay, Jay Hickman does a good job. Floki good. Jay did good at making me hate Floki. <laughs> so, yeah. and I, I don't I don't mean to rush you, but I'm excited to uh, share a pint with the boys in the name of the Lord. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, uh, the one last thing I will say about Jay Hickman is Floki. I did get a good chuckle, like 
out of like after Canute has a transformation and he like comes back with Thorkel. And you see like Floki like having like this whole army ready because he thinks that Canute's report is nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> and um He's ready to take him down and Canute's like, you fucking kidding me right now? If I recall correctly, um in terms of where the manga goes after the anime ends, mm -hmm. uh, if you like Jay Hickman as Floki, I think he gets a lot more to do. Oh boy. Where things oh continue on. Oh boy. Good to know. <laughs> my my one thing that I've always thought about though throughout the whole course of the show, it's like, why didn't Oskla just tell Thorfinn about Floki and that he was hired by him? Like Because I think he just wanted he kinda liked the rivalry he had going on and he liked have he liked having a loyal dog. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Because I bet if Thorfinn knew, yeah, Floki's the one who paid me to kill your dad, Thorfinn would be I like, bitch. I don't think it would have mattered, personally. Okay, like, I, th I think what mattered in Thorfinn's eyes is the one who actually, essentially, pulled the trigger. I also think, by the end, Ashlad did not want to burden him more with the curse of revenge. True. He may find. He, he wanted to stop Thorfinn he, from he, destroying he may, himself. He may find out later in his life, but right now... Yeah, that's fair. The boy must find his own path. That's fair. And sometimes, in order to find your own path, you gotta turn to God. Uh, Alright, let's talk about comedy. God <laughs> yeah. damn it, this man! Patrick, crack open the first drink. Let's go. Oh, man. Bro. Oh, man. This is such... Oh. I'm I'm actually struggling to find the words a little bit. Um, I wrote. This is such a complicated character. It is. Belied by the fact that he he acts so simply, but. Ugh. <laughs> Can I just say I wrote one note? Well, I wrote a couple of notes. I think for Kaya, I wrote a couple, but <laughs> the first note I wrote about Kyle's. Willabod was fucking. I love Kyle's silly, silly alcoholic ass. <laughs> That's the first thing I wrote about it. Cause let's be real, it was kind of amusing seeing fucking Kyle down like barrels of fucking alcohol. I also just kind of assumed this was gonna be a nothing character. Me too, and it's not. I like. I just assumed Willabald was just gonna be a one-off priest who was there for, like, an episode or two, and then got, like, lanced or something by Thorkel. I mean, and that was gonna be like, all she wrote. The closest we got to that point was episode 14, because Willabod's trying to help save this village. Willabod almost got killed by yeah. Ashlod and his crew because he was daring to try and save this village. Yeah, because it would have blown their cover and potentially put the prince in danger, but Willabod's like, they didn't do anything, what the fuck's your problem? And he got beat to shit because of it. But, like, not only, like, I'll say this, Kyle Colby Jones does a really splendid job making Willibald come to life as this very convincing, complex person who is struggling with, effectively, his journey is to find what true love is. Yes. And I think the conclusion of his journey alongside with Canute 
There is no love in the hearts of man. Which, oh my god, that's one of the fucking rawest, realest things that is uttered in this entire show. Yeah. 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 It sent chills down my spine. Like, his conversation with Canute in episode, was it 17 or 18? One, one of those two. But it was just, it was chilling, it was fascinating. And I think it was just that revelation that, at the end of the day, love is something so complicated and so strange to piece down, especially when it comes to the love of the Lord God himself. Like, do you love us enough to punish us and to keep us suffering in this world? Which, I'm gonna continue that the I'm gonna continue that train of thought once we get to our next section, but I'm just gonna end this and say holy shit, I thought Willibald was going to be a nothing I thought he was going to be cannon fodder for the meat grinder that was every other character in the show. Yeah. And he wound up being, like, one of the most interesting, complex people in this cast. Yeah. Also, fuck you, that's a 23-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that whole joke was really funny. Uh, one other thing I will say is that, like, I know you like I know you mentioned that whole, like, big scene with the speech, and I liked that one, but I think another, like, quieter scene with Kyle I really liked was, like, after the whole village massacre where they're, like, at the graves. Yeah. And it, like and just like uh, Kyle delivery when like Willemald is like asking God for forgiveness for what happened yes. and when he's admitting that like he started out his in his love and it's just like seeing this like seeing this man like starting to lose his faith is like that's a pretty uh, devastating thing to have to portray and like Kyle does a really job of selling. Yeah, it. for for mm. sure. Yeah, it was really good. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the more like philosophically complex characters in the show. In a show about fucking Vikings, of all things. And just, there was nothing in this show prepared me for what was a bunch of British and Danish men having a dick-fighting contest over Valhalla versus God and Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was a level of fascinating, entertaining blasphemy I was not expecting. And, you know, like, I I probably should have brought this up with the, um, you know, in an earlier segment. But, um, like, that scene is really interesting in the in the fact that, like, Torgrim and Atlee just don't understand Christianity, like, at all. Right. Because um, it's just like, like, they they see the crucifix that um, that Willibald has. And they're they're just like, oh, that Jesus Christ dude, like he's a scrawny little fuck. Yeah. Like he'd never win in a fight. Like they see their gods as like the most elite of elite warriors. Mm-hmm. So like somebody who believes in the scrawny little dude, like as as a as a deity figure, just feels completely alien to them. And like the interactions between Orlando's Jones, Ty Mahaney and Kyle Kobe Jones in that scene 
Um, not to mention the actor who plays Prince Canute. Oh, no, he doesn't actually speak too, too much. Um, Ragnar. Ragnar's yeah. arguing for it, yeah, because Ragnar's also a Christian. Like, it, it's really interesting stuff, and, like... It, it feels like the absolute perfect marriage between actor, director, and writer. Yeah, right it there. really is. He, he knows the whole show better than everybody else, yeah. Yeah. But no, it, it, he, he, he was phenomenal. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely amazing considering, and again, we don't get to talk a lot about Kyle as an actor, but, like... He's good! He did a really backup job here. It's a rare occasion, and it's a very welcome occasion when that gets to happen. Amen seems very fitting to say for this section. God damn it. Uh, uh but, yeah, uh, God did a really fantastic job. Rob Muggle, fantastic. Louis Guendo and Jay Hickman, all good performances. And uh, with that, we can start getting into some of our major characters. Oh, boy! I think these two might be genuinely, like, my favorites in the show for two vastly different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So first up, we have Prince Canute and Thorkel the Tall. Uh, Prince Canute is the young and sheltered prince of the day who gets tasked with uh, taking out Thorkel, when Thorkel starts camping out in London to lure out King Swain. Canute uh, is, of course, another actual historical figure, also known as Canute the Great. And since talking about his, his historical legacy would probably spoil some stuff since this is pretty early on in his career, as it were. All I'll say is that he becomes known as one of the greatest kings in English history. And uh, Thorkel, on the other hand, is a yon-speaking mercenary who originally serves under the Danes at King Swain, but... Upon seeing how certain Swain's victory will be against the English, uh, he decides to switch sides because he just wants to keep the war going as long as possible because it's just more fun that yes. way. Yes. Thir- <laughs> Dude becomes a turncoat just because he's fucking bored and he thinks yeah. it would be... It w- instead, it, you know what's more fun than fighting with my country? Fighting, fighting against, against them. my country. He's... Uh, again, he's the guy who... My fellow who countrymen will... are such good warriors. I want to fight them. Again, he would be the one who throws the first punch in the fucking mosh pit. He would throw hands in fu- on fucking Black Friday just to get a fucking PS5. <laughs> like he he's yeah, not uh, afraid to go to throw hands with a twelve year old if he yes. gives him a good like if he makes him draw blood then it's fair game. Oh god. <laughs> oh, you have to order a PS5 online and go into the store, huh? Where's the fun in that? Why can't I push children? <laughs> <laughs> Your children will get no present this Christmas, for I, Tharkle, am buying three for my bros. (laughs) Get out of my way, bitch. (laughs) Come at me, bro. He's 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 like, come at me, bro. Fight me for this. Uh, so anyway, I wasn't sure if Thorco was an actual historical figure or not, but sure enough he is. Oh god, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as was stated in the show, he uh, was the son of this Canadian chief, Astrid uh, Harold, and the brother of uh, Jarl Savaldi. Uh, he was also the chief commander of Yon's Vikings, and in addition to being regarded as a great warrior and leader, 
it was recorded as having taken as having taken Canute the Great under his care, which uh, may or may not come up tonight. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. So funny enough, I didn't know this when I paired these two together for surprise! this. Surprise! So, uh, That's actually pretty. Yeah, so that was a fun surprise. Surprise, bitch. <laughs> which you know what? It's it's very much brain. Oh my god. It's Pinky in the brain. Motherfucker! <laughs> I hate you! Really? Viking and the prince. Stop! Viking and the prince. One loves a challenge and the other's in charge. Viking and the prince. That doesn't even work. I know! I'm, I'm winging this right now really hard. I need support right now in this trying time and you are letting me down. You're not getting any support from me for no. this stupid take. Uh, so anyway, uh, playing Prince Canute, we have Josh Greeley, who is playing such characters as Kanichi Shirahama and Kanichi the Mice Disciple, as Sakaido when it invaded, and Shapiro in a hero quest in a Mars win. And playing Thorko, we have Joe Daniels, who is playing such characters as Shihiro Kujo in After the Rain, Misaki Tachigawa in Shurine, and Wakatoshi Uchijim in Haikyuu. So we need to come to a consensus about which character we talk about first, because we could go into a lot of both of these characters very extensively. Uh, I, I feel I like Thorkel would probably be the best place to start. I was actually also thinking Thorkel might actually be the simpler conversation. That's true, because Canute does have a lot. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, we'll start with Thorkel. Okay, can I just say... I forgot I was who Joe Daniels was. I'm not gonna lie. And Andrew was like, "Isn't he's in Serenade? Isn't he the hot archer teacher guy?" And, and I'm looking. I'm like, "Fuck, you're right. Holy shit! I'm like, this is yeah. not Joe." Which it's, it's, my, yeah, it's, yeah, to which, what, my other yeah, to experience which, with Joe Daniels is you interrupted Jeff. Oh, sorry, sorry. Rude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other experience I had with him was the character he played in After the Rain, and I will say that between that, Zerunay, and this, he is something different in everything Remind I've Remind me who he is in After the Rain. Like, which character? I didn't get to finish uh, it. That's, that's right. Uh, he is, um... Is he the shitbag that, that tried to hit on, um... Fuck. That's no, that's that was like, Jason. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, no, uh, he is, uh... I don't remember the... He is Jason's, uh... Author friend. G okay, I don't okay. remember. Oh, author friend. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Anyways. I I know who. I I don't know. The, what you're talking. I don't remember. What I what I like, was the guy Jason Douglas was having coffee with. I think we still need to finish after the. The problem rain. is, is I haven't finished it. That's the problem. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So good to know. Good to know. My experience with Joe Daniels is Ushi Wakamaru from High Q season. Two and three, which... I haven't watched two and three, so... That is an incredibly deep, deep vocal register. Like, low, rough, cold mm -hmm. vocal register. I'm, I'm which going <laughs> Which going from Ushiwakamaru to Thorkel is unfucking believable Bro, he chews that scenery all day, every day, and it's amazing. He is fucking hamming it up oh, to an extraordinary degree <laughs> that I did not know Joe Daniels was even fucking capable of. He is this strong, 
commanding, simple, childlike man. He is like the most aggressive shonen rival in all of Vinland Saga. In that he has one good fight with Thorfinn, he loses some fingers, and he's like, Oh, you're good. I like that. Let's fight! It's like, I like you, kid. Just. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I will say, like, I, I also say in a slightly moody thing is that, like, is that, like, he gets into a fight with a Thor. He gets into a fight with Thorfinn, he's like, Yo, what's your name? Thorfinn tells his name, he's like, Wait, are you Thor's kid? And like the entire time, and he just keeps it keeps the information as to his connection to Thor the entire time. Yeah, because we and then and then like and then we finally learn he's like, oh yeah, uh, so, uh, so yeah, so uh, Thor's wife was uh, actually my niece, so uh, I'm a great uncle. Yeah, so, we learned that. Uh, and I'm like, been... oh, there it is. On the one hand, that yeah. should be surprising. On the other hand, are they not both named Thor? <laughs> it's true. Uh, I think it's just a slightly amusing thing of him just like trying to throw hands with his nephew. The That's great. Time. I love it. <laughs> it it's... I mean, he doesn't fucking care. He's just like, I Torkoal just want to fight. Torkoal is bitches. like the most shonen anime character of Vinland Saga. Yes. It should not have fit. It shouldn't have, but it does, and it fits so well. I think what makes it work is not only is he just, like, an, an insane beast of a warrior, mm-hmm. he's also genuinely noble and honors his word. He has a very good... He has a very se- good sense of pride. He cannot deceive you... Yes. ...for the life of him. Yep. He has no poker face. No. He doesn't even know what the fuck a poker is. He just wants to throw the table at you and beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And he he is one to keep his word. Oh. He is. You know what? What? The end of his second fight with Thorfinn. Are you referring to when like Thorfinn is like basically going along He's with Oscar? Yeah, and the uh, and other people are beating him up he and hits- Thorgo's like, "Fuck you, bitches. Yeah. What are you doing?" Yeah, he um he, he has pissed. a second fight with Thorfinn um where Thorfinn learns um Thorkel's weakness, his his weak spot where right. if you hit him at a certain point in his skull, he will fall unconscious. Mm-hmm. Which he does. And then he keeps going um completely destroying one of Thorkel's eyes. Mm-hmm. And just beating on him like an animal about to murder him. Um, and then Thorkel's men are about to kill him. But then he yeah. gets up and he's just like, yeah, he's furious. hey. I had an agreement with this kid, you fucks. Yup, he got pissed. If he wants to kill me, you're going to let him fucking kill me. Yep. Like he has a like a huge like a great sense of like honor and pride. Like he keeps his word. He is such a fun, genuine person, despite mm-hmm. uh, actively being a violent threat yes. for most of the show. Every scene with him is such a delight. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining. It's also really interesting, especially when he's realizing he's. Trying to talk with Thorfinn, like, mm-hmm. 
there is something I'm missing as a warrior. Yep. Thor's has it. What am I missing that Thor's had? Yeah, yeah, I do appreciate. Yeah, I did like the scene where he's like, I it's like there's only one thing in this life I regretted. It's that I didn't go with Thor. Because yes. I, because if I went with him, maybe I would have learned what it meant to be a true. Exactly, warrior. I remember that too. And then, as much of a fucking lughead as Thorkel is, Joe does get his dramatic beats, not just with his story with Thor's, but probably maybe because this is like in the forefront of my mind since we finished the show just last night the last episode where okay we have Osclod next anyway uh Osclod is like going full batshit crazy killing bitches left and right and he goes red wedding <laughs> he goes red wedding <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> I um, mean you're not far from wrong <laughs> but anyway and are you and You're kind of far from wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I've, I've never seen Game of Thrones. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, and Canute and Thorkel are standing off to the side, and Thorkel's like, I'm not going to do anything. If anyone should be putting him down, it's his master. Like, he's he's in his own way, like, pushing Canute to take control of the situation. Because for all intents and purposes, Osclod's doing this shit on purpose he's securing the futures of both canute and whales by doing this and thorkel knows exactly what he's doing and he's like i'm i'm going along with it but it it's up to you what you have to do now prince like he, and it's not the hammy like ha ha rah, 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 that kind of thing it's this it's a little bit solemn and, like, solemn and serious for Joe as Thorkel in that moment. So, it's very compelling, like, him seeing the gravity and the reality of the situation, and him understanding what's happening, that he, it's like, I like fighting, but even I understand what's going on here. And this is not for me to deal with. This is for you to deal with. This is for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of appreciate that, like, the very last thing we see of him in the show was, like, after, like, Thorfinn loses it when Asgard passes away. Yes. And, and, and you just see Thorkel, like, give Thorfinn a very disappointed look, and it's like, man, there's, there's gonna be, there's nothing worse than having Thorkel disappointed in you. Oh my yeah. god! Like, that's when you know you fucked up, when he, yeah. Thorkel's like, ugh, I'm so dis- like, I'm not set, I'm not mad- I'm, I'm just disappointed. disappointed. And that hurts even worse yeah. coming from Uncle Thorkel. <laughs> I love Thorkel. I love Joe as Thorkel. I so like this fun. guy. This guy would be good with your kids. Yes. He'd be a he'd, he'd be, be he'd be a great uncle to your kids, but he'd also be a bad influence on your kids. <laughs> he he would he would he would Uncle Thorkel will be there drawing on the walls and breaking toys with the six-year-olds. <laughs> what? Tony said he wanted to to crack them open and make a fort of of all the toys. You don't let Uncle Thorkel babysit. Don't let Uncle Thorkel babysit. Everything will be broken. 
there might be some feces on the floor, and there's a and, and there's he, like half a bone of a pig. And he'll he will let your kids drink all the Mountain Dew and eat all the candy before bedtime. So <laughs> Uncle Thorkel will introduce your kids to uh will introduce your kids to uh soda and pop rocks. Yes. But Joe is amazing as Thorkel. It's so different, and it's like, oh my god! <laughs> so, yeah, also, uh, one last thing. It was more of a funny line, but it's kind of appreciated after, like, that whole, like, trek in the snow went down afterwards, and, like, he and, like, and he and Thorkel become canoe retainers. It's just this thing where, like, Joe just says in, like, the most matter-of-fact way possible, like, hey, you know, I just called all your bad, but let's get along. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bygones are bygones. <laughs> Right? Man, who even remembers trying to kill each other? What was that, like five minutes ago? That's history, <laughs> bud. Who cares? I love it. I love how he says that completely unaware yes. of of like Ashlod's actual contempt for his own men. Oh yeah. The blood is still warm, the bodies are still warm, and he's just like, hey, all's well that ends well, right? Yeah. Thorkel's like, hey, let's get along, brother! But no, uh, <laughs> Thorkel is just a delight. I love him. I love Joe I love Daniels. Him. He's so funny. I'm sorry, Thorkel is just so heavy and such a goober. I love it! Oh, oh, but shit. yes, legitimately, like, one of the most... I'd honestly say, legitimately a career highlight for Joe Daniels. Maybe one of his best period. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also noted this is a this is like his favorite performance. So, Good, uh, it shows. Good, it shows. Which? Oh boy. Man, we went so much having fun with that. Um, we still have Josh. We still so, have Kate. Like, oh, I love I'm them. Gonna be real. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Greeley may have delivered one of the performances of their career. As Prince Canoe. Man, I can't... I can't even argue with you. I'm not gonna say uh, the best, but I'm gonna say... To- it's high top... Ten. I'm not gonna say five. I, I, I think it's... It's up there. I was debating 20, but I'm like, you know what? I could say... At least bottom, like bottom ten, and and it's very difficult to discern that because Josh is Josh Greeley is honest to God, one of the best actors in the entire Texas anime dubbing sphere. Period. They've been a favorite of mine for years now. Same, and it is roles and performances like this that show why they are one of the. One of the kings. Oh boy, that's strong wording. So, oh, Canute, sweet, I, sweet summer child. I just want to talk about. I think my favorite scene in this show, alongside Chris, uh, alongside Kyle's Willibald, mm-hmm. is Canute's his his coming of age, his uh, his evolution. As a character, as a king, as a leader, as a commander. And it was so effectively... So basically that conversation with Ragnar is what you're saying. It, not even just the conversation with Ragnar. The conversation with, he had with Willibald where they realized oh, there yeah, is yeah, yeah. there is no love in the hearts of man. 
Because before that, Canute is this very timid, this gentle child, basically. And a devout believer mm-hmm. in the will of God and his Lord Jesus Christ. He literally, like, chastises Willabod earlier in the series for even doubting God yep. as a, like, ruler, as a savior. And that was, I think, one of the first times that Canute actually spoke out and spoke, spoke his out. mind. Right. Except for maybe when, uh... Thorfinn was uh, chastising him, yep. busting his balls. <laughs> busting his balls, because Thorfinn is fucking <laughs> Thorfinn, and he doesn't give a shit. But my favorite scene in this show is effectively, why did God give a, bless us with knowledge from the Garden of yeah, Eden but cast by, cur- by casting us out from paradise yep. to live on a hell that oh, is yeah. Earth? Oh, yeah. And then it was in that moment where Canute hit that moment mm-hmm. of re- revelation and clarification. If God is going to cast us out of paradise, fuck that nonsense. I will work. I will fight. I will bleed. I will live and die. I will make a paradise. To make here. paradise on earth. Yes. A, despite what he wants. I will fight to make Mm -hmm. life paradise on earth. Yeah. It's such a powerful, poignant, chilling scene that I was like, shock. I had no words. I was Mm -hmm. just... I think both of us, after that, we were just sitting there like, holy shit. I was awestruck. And it was a moment I realized I'm watching something incredible. Yeah. And legitimately oh i realized i was watching something incredible like episodes back but you know <laughs> point still stands <laughs> you know what i what, you know what i mean <laughs> but legitimately it's just what a fantastic evolution of a character like this it also probably helps that i i like the character archetype of the sensitive badass this mm-hmm. the sense the sensitive unassuming uh character mm-hmm. becomes a badass for this for strike and others you describe this i think when we were watching this very early on when we we're introduced to canute as like an armin in a way yes that's mm-hmm. how you describe i'd this. say this is legitimately like the closest comparison as it like if i was to compare uh canute or josh's performance as canute to anything it is absolutely armin arland yeah where they are a sensitive emotional character but they are strong-willed, they are commanding, and you do not fuck with them when shit gets real. Yeah, 100%. And it's incredible, it's phenomenal, and Canute really became a character that became something else. That whole scene, that whole exchange about becoming, like, turning Earth into paradise on Earth, despite what God wills it, I will make it against his wishes chilled me to the bones and i end my thoughts with a joke i came up with where prince canute's character arc is effectively fuck heaven i'm gonna make my own heaven with blackjack and hookers you know what forget the heaven let's just get the blackjack and hookers (laughs) (laughs) i both uh, baby i love you I love when you ramble. I also hate when you ramble because on all of a sudden it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to say? You said everything. <laughs> like, there's... I don't have anything else really to add. Like, Josh has been around for forever. 
I feel like forever, and for good reason because they are phenomenal. Like, they Josh does great work with Canute's Tibbin moments, with the character shift where he has to be a, a strong ruler. He even Canute even has those moments where he's like freaking like pulling at my heartstrings. Like again, talking about his goodbye to his. His, his Jedi Master goodbye <laughs> to Ragnar. Like, I don't have a lot more to add. Like, Josh is phenomenal. They've always been phenomenal. Like, I have, um, I have, I have, I don't recall ever running into a Josh Greeley performance that I dislike. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to add here. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I don't know if you boys yeah, do I mean, or not. It's, it's interesting Mm-hmm. Also, because, um, like, it takes several episodes, and I mean, like, three or four for Canute to even start speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, Canute is very timid. Like, he, he's childish and a coward, um, and Josh did a really great job with that. But then it's, after being on the battlefield and having this epiphany of, oh, yeah, God has abandoned us, so I will make paradise on Earth. Yep. And, um, like, just that 180 shift from the child to, like, an actual viable leader. Yes. And the confidence, not really swagger, just... Just confidence. Pure... Unbridled. I know what I have to do, and yeah. you guys are gonna have to help me do it. That determination. No, yeah. it, hang on. I'm gonna argue. It's not you have to do this. It's you will do this. I speak. You listen and obey. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty accurate. fair. But like I said, this is. One of the performances of Josh Greeley's career, like, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the performances of Josh Greeley I really like, this is, like, on the high end of their top five. Wow. Okay. Wow. Top five Strong for words. you. Mm. But fair. Yeah, it's, there's really not much else I can add. It's. It's a really fantastic performance from Josh. Oh, yeah, like, like, Andrew mostly stole everything. <laughs> well, honestly, Canute was, like, one of the characters I was, like, the most passionate to do that section right. right. And so, like, I got what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love the transformation. I do, I do, I did also enjoy Canute a lot pre-transformation again. Like I was saying, I did like his delivery during that whole scene where, like, Thorfinn's, like, punching his shots, and then, like, Canute finally stands up for himself. Yeah. That was he finally speaks for the first time. It's like, you insolent cur. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, you child. Which, just because I know. The back and forth between Canute and Thorkel, uh, not Thorkel, Thorfinn is great. Because <laughs> Thorfinn doesn't give a fucking shit about anything. And Canute's just, just this gentle soul at this point. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, he, and he's like, oh, he's like, no one has ever talked to me like that before. <laughs> no one's ever said that to me before. And Thorfinn's like, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off, mate. <laughs> it's great. I love it. 
Oh, I'd watch those too, fuck. Ugh. Andrew. No. And the room goes silent. I live for that. Oh, God. Can, are we... I look forward to season two, which is Thorkel just being the best worst uncle for Prince Canute. Yes! That's great. <laughs> uh, Alright, uh, so I guess we're good to move on. So... Oh god, this is the one I've this is one of the ones I've been waiting for. Hell yes! Okay. I love how you titled yeah. this section two, by the way. Yeah, uh, I titled this section daddy this section daddy issues because next we have a tale of two men. <laughs> Thorfinn's dad and his other dad who killed the first one. Thor <laughs> Thorfinn's dad and Thor's. <laughs> Thor Thorfinn's dad and Thorfinn's okay, okay. daddy. <laughs> okay, okay, I would say okay, I would say it's he may have not he may have been your dad, but he wasn't your daddy, except like Thor's was a good daddy. No, he and, was. Uh, Thor's is a very good dad. <laughs> Thor's is a good dad and how do I describe it? So, Thor's is the dad that Thor's is the th a dad you need but don't deserve. Yes. Ashlod is the dad you need and absolutely deserve. Oh, <laughs> you know that's an apt description. Oh shit! Anyway, because <laughs> like Ashlod got the entirety of the um. It's not a phase, Mom. You don't understand me, Dad. Portion of Thorfinn's childhood adolescence. It's true. That was Thorfinn later on. Fuck. Oh, shit. I can go to Hot Topic whenever I want. I can get that piercing. It's cool. I'm gonna get a tattoo. I'm gonna go around and smoke oh, and drive, and I'm gonna pick up girls. I'm, I don't need to go to school. I'm, School's stupid. The establishment's stupid. I'm a little terrified of what you will be like as a dad to kids. I'm just. Saying. I would actually be. I would actually treat it seriously. I'm just. I love character analysis, and my character analysis of just Thorfinn is just. He is the shit kid teenager. He is. And Ashalod is exactly the kind of father a kid like that needs. Yeah, actually, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we we're talking about Ashalod and Thor's man. I'm probably going to butcher this. As Norsen. Um, so Ashalod is a pirate and a mercenary who does sailings with the Alms Vikings. And is eventually tasked with Folky to assassinate Thors, and after he succeeds, he earns the wrath of Thorfinn, who he eventually decides to make use of as a member of his pirate band. Yeah. With with the prom with the promise of duel of letting Thorfinn duel him on occasion, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And so from what I was able to look up, Aslan is not an actual historical figure. However, the name seems to come from a character called Espen Aslan, who is a main character in some stories and folktales. Oh, so. okay. I guess the offer must have like read up on those. They also mention I'm just gonna do this now. They also mention that his bloodline, he is a descendant off of the legendary King Artorius. Yes. Who would go to inspire the legends of King Arthur. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, th yeah, that was one hundred percent that was that had to be one hundred percent the offer. Just like it was the author having fun with it and doing like a level of oh, Ashlod's the real deal. But you know what that means? 
Ashlod is canonically don't you canonically say it a saber. Ashlod, <laughs> Andrew, get the fuck out of here. Fucking saber. I fucking quit. <laughs> You click that fucking disconnect I button. You go into the corner and you think about quit. what you just fucking said. Don't you said. boo me. Don't you boo me, Patrick. Don't you boo me, Steph. Don't you boo me, oh, Jet. I'm booing you. We're telling you to get the fuck out. You cannot silence the truth. You know I'm right. You know he would be a great summon and unit. Get the fuck out. Just fuck a, off. Just imagine the interactions. Just imagine the figures. Just imagine the merchandising. Andrew. Just Andrew. imagine the dojins. A Andrew. I mean, hold on, hold I'm on. I'm not fucking blowing <laughs> any more St. Quartz, Andrew. On, hold on. You mean there aren't already dojins about Ascalot anyway? I mean, he probably rails Don't. in those, so that doesn't <laughs> But no. Steph, do not tempt fate. Somebody will inevitably What I'm up. saying... <laughs> what I'm saying... Ashalod can, has, and will... Ashalod has done a mana transfer before, and you can't silence the truth! Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. I get the bid fuck you out. adieu. He's, get, get out. Get out. He's walking uh, away. So anyway, uh, He's walking away. So fuck anyways, off. <laughs> so anyway, Thor's on the other hand is Thorfinn's father and a former Yasviking commander who eventually goes tired of fighting and fakes his death in order to live peacefully with his family before Floki blackmails him into returning to the Yasvikings and has him assassinated. Again, we, we hate uh, Floki. <laughs> but he, yeah, if Floki sense. didn't do what he did, we wouldn't have this story, so. Uh, so anyway, playing Ocelot, we have David Wald. And playing Thors, we have Jason Douglas. Uh, David Wald is with his characters as Gazio Red Flops in Fairy Tale. Herman Louise in Girl the Animation. And Lieutenant Tsurumi in Golden Cowboy. And Jason Douglas is with his characters as Koji in One Piece. Hugo Bapu in Hugo the Negotiator. And of course... Lord Beerus and Dragon Ball Super. Right. I forgot about that. Oh, I love from Beerus. The, from the little amount of Super I've seen, because I fucking hate Dragon Ball Z anyway. <laughs> I feel like... You know how we, with the last group, we were like, can we distinguish who we're going to talk about first? Can we just agree that we can't talk about Ashlod right now? We, we need because to there's a lot. Yeah, 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 we got, we got a, we got a no, we no, have there, to do Thor's first. There's no question about that. Absolutely, there's, we have to do Thor's first because there's so much more to Ashlod. Okay, good. Because <laughs> there's a lot. Um, it's, yeah, uh, uh, having said uh, having said that, Jason Douglas is really good. Oh, yeah. oh, he's he's mm -hmm. fantastic. It's it's kind of. It's more, I, I called Andrew Loves Bjorn as a gentle giant. This one's more of a gentle giant, like a very calmer, softer tone. Because Thor's has gone through some shit, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. Thor's? Like, he realized what he is missing as, as a true warrior and a human being. Jason Douglas, as Thor's. Mm-hmm. Is a man who has found peace. Yes. He has done everything. He has seen everything. Mm -hmm. He has gone through every phase of his life. Mm -hmm. And at this point, when he dies, he dies with no regrets. Yep. He has lived a full, fulfilling life. His journey has happened off screen. He died saving the lives of those close to him. 
while not being true to himself and his ideals. Yeah. He did not compromise his ideals. He saved everybody else. He died at peace. And Jason Douglas is playing a man who is strong and commanding and kind. Who has found that peace and has no regrets. Again, he will still fuck your shit up. He will also still beat your fucking ass. I mean, he fucking yeah. beat up Ashlod's like... How many was it? 50 fucking it was people like, barehanded? It was like 30, 30 people. Barehanded. With zero casualties. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jason does a really good job of selling doors. It's like, hey, man, I'm high principled during a time where those principles would be seem extremely weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Thor's isn't... Thankfully, we still get a lot more with Jason throughout the course of the show. Because Thor's da is dead by, like, I think it's, like, what, episode four? Um... But we still get, like, some flashbacks and memories and, like, Thorfinn in his own subconscious talking to Thors on occasion as well. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do get Thors ghost Thors. Motherfucker. It all comes back to Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I love the parallel, but fuck you. But, um, no, it's, it's very enjoyable. I really love Jason Douglas's Thor's because it's, again, just a gentle giant at peace, kind, kind soul. Yeah, yeah, and of course, I can't really talk about Jason Schwartz without talking about the scene, which is kind of like, it is the most important scene in the show where like he's talking, where like a uh, little, where he's like he's with little Thorfinn in the safe safe room with a knife and like. Yeah. He's soft but firm tone is in his delivery when he's like telling little Thorfinn that no one really has any enemies and that he should go out seeking violence. Yeah. You have no enemies to fight. Yep. You have no one deserves to die. Right. That was very, very good. Cause he's not only trying to deter his own son from trying to f throw his life away, essentially. He learned his lesson. He learned, he learned the his truth. lesson. He's trying to like instill that on his son before it's mm -hmm. too late which it's not too late for thorfinn the no. problem is he is still way too young to yes. truly understand what he means right so thorfinn has has a lot of time on his hands but he's also got a lot of bodies to learn the lesson oh boy <laughs> yeah but no i really like jason this thor's really good yeah I also, yeah i also like that these dad immigrant little thorpe was kind of irritating that he's also kind of like a little bit awkward as a dad and that like he's trying his best to get through with him you know like maybe about you know maybe not looking forward to battles and war and also you know just kind of doing everything he can to watch over him and just like i kind of like to have there's like, like a little couple of little awkward moments like when uh like when Thor is, like, about to get off the war and, like, he's talking with Helga and he's, like, not really sure what to... and he's, like, not really sure what to say to Thorfinn before he goes and he doesn't know Thorfinn is already throwing away. Right. Be and it's, like, it's, it's... His dynamic with little Thorfinn is just really, really intriguing because traditionally and historically, Vikings pride themselves on battle. They want those heroic feats of battle and it's... Not only it's, is it made a point in the show, but they want an honorable death so they can be welcomed into Valhalla. That is an actual tradition in 
the Viking lore and their beliefs. So Thor's being the kind of character that's going away from that, and especially as a mighty warrior as he is, and trying to instill this into Thorfinn, with, and Thorfinn not understanding that, it's very—it's a very interesting dynamic that they have in the early onset, and it—and it, it's like it tries to set a precedent for what the show is to come because it ends up being Thorfinn's journey into not just revenge, but trying to figure out what his path in life is. Yes, and it, it becomes ever, even more present at the end of the show after. His daddy Oscala <laughs> ends up biting it, you know? So, because it's like, now what do I do? I just realized that not one, but two different dad or dad figures are dying in front of Ashlod, basically handing you mean Thorfinn. the. Thorfinn. No, Ashlod. Really? Ragnar and Thor's both died oh, yeah. at the hand and in front of Ashlod, and both of them are like, well,. Guess you're gonna look after my kid now. Do a <laughs> yeah. good job. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. It's true, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Oh lordy. And I don't know if you guys have Any anything thoughts? else to add. I mean, there is another kind of really big scene that, that Thor's gets that I think um Jason Douglas did an absolutely pitch perfect job with. Mm -hmm. Um it's well after um, Thor's actually dies. Yep. Um, and it's sort of a dream sequence between him and Thorfinn. Is this the one after he duels Askeladd? I think so. Like, um, uh, where they're uh, in like, what what, looks what like I presume Vinland. is uh, like Thorfinn's vision of Vinland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And it's just like, yeah. You are living this life of violence. Are you okay with this? Mm. Are you okay with the consequences you'll be... Is this the one where Thorfinn's on a boat just sulking like a little shithead? No, I yeah. think it's after he stops sulking. I think it's like okay. episode 9 or something. Gotcha. I know what you're talking about, though. Because I'm thinking of the one where they basically return home quote-unquote, to um, the village where Ashglad and the band are from. And Thorfinn duels Ashglad, fucking loses, and he's sulking on the ship, and like, as a watch. And then he's talking to Thors. I I thought that was the one you were referring to, because Thors is it just like, did you lose be. again? It's like, you really want to keep doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that may be the one. Okay, yeah, because that was that was really good. If that is the same one we're both thinking of, that was really good. It definitely had a nice little fun gut punch. Yeah, and it definitely like helps to solidify the character of Thor's, even though yeah, Thor's had long since died. Yep, it's he's still a figure and an impact on Thorfinn's life, and tries to be in a way. Similar to, like, when I said earlier that Bjorn is Askeladd's kind of, like, moral grounding to an extent, Thor's tries to be that moral grounding for Thorfinn. Mm-hmm. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. So where do we go from here? <laughs> so. 
Man, it's, it's hard to know where to begin with this one. Oh my god! So, here's what I'm going to do. Oh boy. I'm going to say exactly one or two sentences to give you guys the chance to say the rest of this. I know what I want to say out of this. Okay. David Wald is one of the most impressive and talented people working in the anime dubbing industry, period. Oh yeah. This is legitimately like the single most impressive shakespearean tier mm-hmm. character i have ever seen him perform and he does it spectacularly and god damn it david wall deserves to go down as one of the greats of the anime dubbing industry period mm-hmm. like i know we were just talking about josh but like bro <laughs> like oh my god yeah. where do we where yeah. do we begin with him yeah, so I can say that, like, he does a good job of, like, initially selling Askeladd as, like, a pretty smooth operator, mm-hmm. kind of, like, you know, a very charming, if rugged rogue, mm-hmm. and he can do a good job of switching between making Askeladd sound, like, very playful, but also, you know, being a lot wiser and more cutting beneath the surface, and he kind of tends to let out of this way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it wasn't one scene I did like with him, like, very early on that kind of definitely uh, becomes... But it definitely kind of has more interesting context when you consider his character later on, is that uh, the whole scene between Ascalon and Thor is where they have their duel, and when Thor's proves to be stronger, like, Ascalon briefly asks him if he'd consider being their leader, which, uh, given what we learned about Ascalon, like, he tried to play it off in the moment, but he was probably being... Shit, he was probably you're being, like, right! What, yeah, he was probably being 100% serious. Oh my god, Aslan. because there was a point... Oh man, now that you've said that. Because there was a point that's, br- that's like brought up later on that essentially Ashlod is actually looking for a master to follow. Ashlod doesn't want to rule. He just ends up being the strongest one of his pack. Yeah. He wants a master. Yeah. Yes! And, and he thought he could get that in Thor's. Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. Holy shit. Bro. <laughs> no, like, context-wise, oh my god. I'm putting pieces together now, it's great. But no, it's... Holy shit! Like... Yeah, and I think that might be in part why he, like, kind of looks out for Thorfinn in his own way. Yeah, honestly. Like, as... <laughs> so much of a bastard as Ascalot is, sometimes... Because he's a conniving little shit. Like, he... He says he doesn't care. He says he doesn't give a shit and he doesn't care about everybody else. What does it say about this series that the most overt Sundere in the anime is Ashlod? You didn't let me finish my point, but okay. (laughs) Like, Ashlod doesn't give a shit. Like, he comes off that way. But in reality, he does care, but in his, in, in, like, in his way. Like, he's pushing Thorfinn, for instance, like, to be that great warrior that he has always been meant to be. But, like, with the context of, oh, this kid's gonna kill me one day, that's fine, I can still use him as, as we go along, yada, 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 herp derp derp But, yeah. It, it's, it's, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's the Guardians of the Galaxy horse shit again. <laughs> it still yeah. holds true. It holds true. And that's exactly the kind of relationship that's happening here between Oscola and Thorfinn. 
Uh, yeah, I will say, like, one scene that I think really kind of establishes their dynamic really well is, like, is that, uh, is, uh, is that whole scene where, like, he's literally giving Thorfinn a history lesson about old empires and how they're, like, always watching away with new ones and how, uh, and how, like, he, and how Oslo and how Oslo knows that old days will eventually allow Thorfinn to take his life someday yeah. and he's kind of already made his peace with that. And, like, in his own way, he's kind of, like, trying to get Thorfinn to think about the future and Thorfinn just, yeah. like... Isn't having any no, Thorfinn's like, shove it, old man. And it's like, really? Really, you fucking idiot? I'm trying to help you a little bit here. And Ashla, and, and, and it's like, this kid's an idiot. <laughs> but, like, David is really phenomenal with... Oh my god. I know we were saying that fucking... You were saying the frickin' Priest is one of the most complex characters in the show. I would argue Oshklog, though. Granted, you would probably agree with me on that, too. I'm not disagreeing. You're not disagreeing. Like, <laughs> I went into this yeah, show... Especially... I went into this show thinking Oshklog was the villain. Yeah, no, uh, he's not. Oshklog I mean, I mean, is... I mean, the, I mean, he kind of is. Oshklog is, but... is simultaneously the main antagonist, the shonen rival... The supportive paternal figure, mm-hmm. and also the main character of this saga. Yeah, I say this saga because, because he's kind of dead now. He is the pro. <laughs> he is arguably the protagonist of the prologue of Finland Saga. I would argue a protagonist, not the protagonist, because you still have Thorfinn. But Thorfinn is the observer of he's everything. A protagonist. This is Thorfinn's story of coming Correct. Of but, but, yeah. But, like, David has to portray cunning, like, ruthless brutality. He has to convey um, a fun sense of humor. Ashla does have a fucking... It's a very... It's a little bit twisted sense of humor, but it's a fun sense of humor. But then, that's all on the surface, right? Uh, yeah, because we learned a lot about Ashwood. Oh, yeah. And, uh, what we learned about him is, uh, He hates the fucking very... Danes. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I wrote a... F- <laughs> speaking of a combination of... Jesus Christ, the cat jumped off the tree. Um, speaking of a combination of David's performance plus the script plus fucking cursing up the wazoo. Can I just say, I wrote, you got me to write write this down verbatim. There is one line that David says in episode 17. When he's facing off against his mutiny. Right. And, like, it's the most, like, unsettling thing I have ever seen. Well, maybe not. I have not uh, it is one ever of the seen that David mo- did because it, Shiki exists. It's one of the most like, chilling things to yes. ever come out of his fucking mouth. Oh my god. Okay, I had to write it verbatim. <laughs> the exact wording. You dim-witted fucking Danes are lower than pig shit. Like. Oh boy. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Because at this point... You have, I believe it is at this point, you have learned that he is in, he is part of the bloodline of Britannia. You have learned at this point, um, through Askeladd's, 
like internal monologuing like he hasn't outright stated it to other characters at this stage but why are you biting your finger he wants to say something i think because i was going to compare i was going to make a joke and say that um oh god am i gonna regret ashlan makes lelouch lamp rouge look like a bitch he is the true king of britannia motherfucker <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> Jeez. i'm going over to the corner now don't you worry yeah go away okay. god damn uh, yeah uh, so another thing i'll say is that well ashlan can be a lot of fun he can also be extremely terrifying at points yes! but again going back to uh, episode 14, where he condemns that entire village to death. And I have to say, David's stone cold delivery when, like, one of the villagers, like, asks him to spare them, and, like, the villager realizes what Aslan is about to do to them. Yeah. Like, that whole scene was haunting, and David really sold it. No, oh, yeah. He has, mm-hmm. he has so many moments where he gets to be a ruthless, chilling person. And David conveys those, like... Andrew said this, I think, Andrew described this the best when he when he when we first started talking about David as Ashglad. It's the most Shakespearean I had ever heard David. Like, in, in terms of, like, Shakespearean, like, tragic Shakespearean characters, this is what it, I, this, yes. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Like, it's, <sighs> of course, it goes without saying that this is my favorite performance of the show. Bar none. And you're also going up against the likes of like Josh Greeley, Joe Daniels, and even fucking older Thorfinn, who we're going to talk about in a minute here. Like, this is the performance that I really, that really stuck to me. Like, I, oh, I love it. It's, it reminds, it so much reminds me of why I love Dave Wall as an actor. Because I was introduced to him as an actor with Shiki and Dr. Ozaki. This reminds me, it has some similar beats to Dr. Ozaki, but at the same time, it's a bit more ruthless. And it reminds me so much of how much I love David Wall as an actor. It's, ah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of great moments, but I have to say, like, hands down, like, the scene he really had to nail that like that was actually gonna absolutely well not make a break performance that was really gonna like the entire last episode yeah like the entire last episode like when he has to go nuts yep because he decides okay so we had mentioned that king swain is like bitch you gotta choose the prince or whales you can't have one or the other you can't have both it's one or the other and the solution that oscalon decides to go with is fucking kill the king cause a huge rampage and sacrifice himself to be put down for his madness on that day king swain learned the true life philosophy of ashalon the ash ed one fuck around (laughs) and find find out out. (laughs) fuck around and find out like again because ashalon only cares about two things in this world his mother and Wales. Also, his true name was like Julius Artorius. I forgot the last Cassius. name. Cassius. Cassius. Julius Artorius Cassius. Luci- it, no, it was Lucius. Lucius. Lucius Artorius Cassius. Cassius. Something like that. Just what a strong. That's such like a. Look, le- he's le- like, you want to know my real name, bitch? <laughs> It's good. You don't find out about his actual name until the end of the show, too. Like, that is just a swan song of, like, I'm going to go out 
like a badass. His, <laughs> like his true name kind of sounds like a history OC. Do not steal. Oh my god, Andrew, motherfucker! I'm sorry. I'm I'm just gushing because this is such. There's so much to it. I'm sorry. I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> Y'all can talk now. I've gushed long enough and stolen the show. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, so, did you have anything you want to add, Patrick? I mean, there there was another scene, and I'm kind of blanking at this point because it's a little late in the night. Um, if you start describing it, we can, maybe help, we can help you help out. Fill yeah. the gaps. Like, I mean, his actual conversation with King Swain. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the uh, one was one. The- the one where he's trying to dissuade him from the, like, actual poor strategy of invading Wales? Or, oh wait, do you mean the one where he first meets him as Canute's attendant? Uh, no, I mean, like, where he's... Like, where oh, he's, where like, he lo- literally on the verge of beheading Swain. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when he, like, oh, he, like, draws a pretense. Yes! <laughs> where he's literally, like, my city now. Yeah. <laughs> My scene now, bitch. Wish. <laughs> and then the entire berserker rage he goes through oh afterward, just God. mowing down Swain's men. He just didn't fucking care at that point. He's like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna go out like a champ. <laughs> like, and I'm, uh, I'm gonna Shane, be honest, like, his death, deathbed speech, trying to dissuade <gasps> Thorfinn from continuing to pursue his path of revenge. That was was beautiful. You've never thought about what happens after I'm dead. You're free now. Yeah, you're three. You're free. You can do whatever you want. Just chills. (laughs) Now I want to watch it again. God damn it! Jet, again, I both love you and hate you. This is gonna be fucking hard. Well, depending on. Well, I have good or bad news, depending on how you swing it, because this could maybe count for next year, too? (laughs) But it wouldn't be the same? Whether or not we get the other dub over in the U.S. remains to be seen. Oh, I don't fucking care. No, you're not going to convince me that anyone else can play Oscar than David Walt. That's not how this fucking goes today. Fair enough. Like, no. Fair we can enough. have that conversation perhaps later, but for but now. But right now, this is Oshlad. I can't see anybody else playing this. I'm sorry. Like, this is amazing. I kind of want to see a world where David Wald plays Scar from Lion King. Oh my god! Oh, that would be great. I would love that! Bro! Or at least like a like a theatrical production of The Lion King. Oh, man. I need that shit up. Uh, uh, man, that you said it, I can actually hear it. Oh, fuck. I can hear it too! <laughs> it sounds amazing! God D- Don't tell it. me you can't hear Ashalad's David Wald performance saying like, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> yes! Or, even better yet, Yeah. Like, throw on his best, like, Vincent Price to do, like, Ratigan for, like, the Great Mouse Detective. 
That's even better. Oh, I see it. Hell yeah. Let's go. What we're saying is David Wald should play all of your classic Disney villain childhood memories. Oh, please. David Wald should just be a Disney villain. Yes. They should write a Disney villain around the performance yes! of David Wald. Let's. It, it'll be great. It'll be evil. It'll be intimidating and much. There is. It will be unquestionably gay. I'm Disney, okay. Bro, Disney I'm will try that. to fight it. I'm, you cannot fight it. No, he I will don't make care. it the most evil, vicious, and gayest it. thing in I the am, world. I am fucking here for it. Well, since I can't resist, I mean. uh... Well, uh, we can always use a new Hades, so uh, why not hire different ones? Chet! Chet! Oh my god! Chet, I want this so much! Chet, I want Hercules Hades to be David motherfucking Wolf! Yes! I'm here for Please, Jet, don't describe things I want but can never have. Chet, I'm here for it! Don't I'm threaten here. me with a good time! Please stop threatening me with a very good time! I want this now! Fuck, I'm here for it! I am so here for it! Bro! On the weird, on the off chance David's listening, bro, let's go! I'm here for it! Shit, I'm the, down! The Rainbow King of Conquerors has left his oh, mark. Oh man! Let's fucking but, go. <laughs> but yeah, um, wait a second. To kind of bring things around, because I didn't really like actually state an opinion. Opinion. Um, like this is another like an actor putting in one of their one of the performances of their career, and absolutely believe it or not, like. This is David Wall doing it without, with minimal levels of ham. Yeah, yeah, and I think what's interesting is that, like, this is a career highlight in a year where David Wall has had, like... Oh my uh, god. This has been a really this, good year. This it's been like a the very good year career for highlight of David Walden this year alone. Like, not just, not just on the acting front, but the directing front, too. Like, he's had a great year. Like, oh my god. I wish nothing but good things for David Walt. Bro, me too. Like, he's genuinely one of the most amazing human beings I've ever had the privilege of speaking to. Like, he's genuinely that kind of person. Anyways, he bla he does a great job playing the best, worst kind of person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David Walt, backup job, and also Jason Douglas, backup job. Agreed. It's like David Walt, amazing, and Jason's here. No, Jason's amazing, Jason's, too. It's uh, just... Let's be real. This section is about David right now. It's about Ashlod. It's about Ashlod. Let's not even front. I'm sorry. Jason is phenomenal, but let's be real here. David steals the whole show. Well done, David. Oh, man. Well done. I can't wait to summon that five-star servant. Uh, You're lucky uh, I didn't take a big swig of my water, you dick. Have I I met, go anyway. away. Have I mentioned I love you guys? I hate you. Get out. I mean, <laughs> sans Megan, this is almost a fa fate episode anyways. Get out. Yeah, basically. Get the fuck out. Uh, so anyway, uh, and it's time to talk about our final character of the evening, our main character. Oh boy. Uh, Thorfinn Thordarsson. 
Uh, specifically, though, we're talking about two versions of him. The teenage version of him that we follow for most of the story, and the younger version in the first five episodes. Uh, so in the context of the story, Thorfinn is the son of the great Viking warrior Thor, who wants to and wants to become a great Th warrior. Uh, so when Thor gets forcibly coerced into coming back out to the battlefield, Thorfinn tags along and gets to watch their old dad get killed by Athelon in a duel. And thus, Thorfinn begins a long quest for revenge and becomes a de facto member of Asalon's pirate band, with the condition that if Thorfinn gets enough accolades on the battlefield, Asalon will agree to fight him in a duel so he can properly avenge his dad. And he does so fight him over and over again, and he loses every over time. Over and over again. Uh, so this basically sums up where we see Thorfinn in this season of the show. Uh, but sure enough, he is an actual historical figure who was known as Thorfinn Karlnevsky, which that name actually does come up later in the show. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, so he it was an Icelandic he was an Icelandic explorer who traveled with Leif Erikson oh. to form a settlement in Finland. So uh, he will probably get there at some point in this oh, story. Oh, wow, okay. Someday. Interesting, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's cool. Neat. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So uh, that yeah. So the prologue. So the prologue bit at the end of the season is kind of there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, playing young Thorfinn, we have Shannon Emmerich, who has played such characters as the Emperor in the comic got kill, uh, Brewing Ninomiya in Gossip and Crowds, That in Made in the Abyss, and Denpa in Denicoil. And playing the older Thorfinn, we have Mike Haimoto, who has played such characters as Ushio Izabu in Actors on Connection, Brando Ayame in Blend the Immortal, Monri Tan in Golden Time, and Akane Kasiwaki, aka Prince from Rome with the Wind. I'm surprised you didn't, with Shannon, didn't go for another deep cut on me, man. Uh, I tried to, I don't, I don't know of any Shannon deep cuts off the top of my head. Orion from Amnesia. <laughs> oh my god, I, I was thinking uh, it, I was like, man... <laughs> I was like, yeah. Shannon is Orion, I believe, right? And I'm like, yo, yeah, sure. Amnesia, what a... That's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah, so we should, yeah. yeah, so we should start with Shannon, not start with Shannon, not just because, like, obviously, you know, we see young Thorpe in the beginning, but also because, like, in a lot of respects, she has to cover the most, like, emotional range of Thorfinn's character, because, like, older Thorfinn is basically one mood. Yeah. Older Thorfinn is existing. One mood. Grump. <laughs> this is the... <laughs> Thorfinn, this is the amount of fucks I give. That's basically the mood. <laughs> Young Thorfinn, so much promise and innocence. Only for, um... Uh, reality to come down like a fucking... Like a... Not a I was about to say hammer. Come down like a fucking batch of arrows. <laughs> Yeah, so I do like. Yeah, so I do think Thor Shannon does a pretty good job of like mm -hmm. initially telling Thor, but it's like you know this very mischievous but enthusiastic kid who wants to go on adventures and you know thinks his dad being a warrior is like the coolest thing in the world. Oh no, yeah, like again goes back to Viking culture. Yeah, and while it was like kind of depressing to see how like Thor is trying to teach Thorfinn pacifism was kind of like going over the kid's head, I thought that Shannon did like a good job of selling Thorfinn's confusion during that whole exchange. And him, like, not comprehending what having no enemies means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very innocent little boy. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so a lot of those early episodes, uh, Shannon does a pretty good job of the innocence. And I was, and I especially like Shannon's delivery, like, 
Like, not even when we get to, like, the big scene on the boat with Aslan, but even, like, before then, like, right after Thor's dies, and you just kind of, like, see Thorfinn in the cabin. Yeah. Just, like, just, like, trying to process what happened. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Janet's delivery there was, like, really great, just, like, shifting between, like, sadness, shock, and fear over the span of, like, a minute. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's going through a mix of emotions in the span of a minute right there. Yeah, like, and then we get to the scene on the boat, and... And I have to say, the delivery there is, like, really interesting. Because, like, while it doesn't sound, like, scary in the way you would kind of, like, expect it to, given the nature of the scene in question, like... I think the way Shannon handles it also works really well, because while you can tell the Thorfinn is, like, definitely really ready to choke Aswan down, there's, like, just enough desperation in the way that Shannon delivers it yeah. to... Remind you, this is like a kid trying to try really hard to act tough and convince himself he's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in a way it kind of like helps to make the scene like a little more trans because there's like no going back after all that. No, yeah, absolutely. Like, you see in Shannon's Thorfinn the death of innocence right there. Like, and then he, Thorfinn has to like quickly grow up. Like, very quickly. Because, like, not even... Not even... What is it? Like, two episodes later, Thorfinn picks up a knife and decide, and is like, I'm gonna kill a bitch. And he ends up fighting with... Because what was it? Oh, Asgard's band got ambushed. Right? And, um, Thorfinn... At this point, he had been training at least a little bit. Um, so he has at least a better, like, understanding of how he could fight and he's just like I'm killing bitches because I think Asklad had made him the deal that he has to distinguish himself on the battlefield I think at that point correct yeah, yeah. so that was where that whole thing starts also side note oh my god my hands hurt from clapping so much right now <laughs> from the whole David Wall being a Disney villain thing sorry my hands are tingling <laughs> Anyway, no, I, I like Shannon as um, little Thorfinn. I will, I, I do have to say, I think Shannon needed to grow into it after the first episode because it was a little bit like. It was a little rough in some patches. Yes. But Shannon really got into it, I think. And like by the end of Baby Thorfinn, <laughs> the, the saga of Baby Thorfinn. Um, Shannon really, like, comes into her own with it, for sure. Um, but no, yeah, like, minor growing pains, but I really enjoyed that part. Yeah. Uh, any guys you guys want to add? Patrick, did you want to add anything? Oh, um, yeah. Also, like, as an aside, one of the things I really, really appreciate about, um, mainly... Presumably the script writing side mm-hmm. of it is, um, and direction. They gave Shannon Emmerich the opportunity to say fuck. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, like, and it was a single most important F-bomb in the entire show. Yep. Yep. Because yep. that was basically the point you realize that baby Thorfinn was gone and was not coming back. Yep. He, he, baby Thorfinn is dead. 
Never underestimate the power of a good, well-placed fuck. If you would like an example of this, watch the entirety of BoJack Horseman. Okay. It's going over. Eh, he's not wrong. That's going over my head, so. Like, I think they only drop, like, a handful of F-bombs in BoJack Horseman, but when they drop... They They literally only use, like, one per season, and when it does... It is a bomb. It is a dropping bomb each and every time. Okay, I will take your guys' word for it. <laughs> anyway, sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, man. Please continue. Uh, I mean, I didn't have too much more to add, so... I guess we can talk a little... We can talk more about Oldertorf and Witch. Before we even oh. get into that, there is, like, a very... Uh, kind of interesting little aside I want to mention. Okay. Uh, because uh, since I did do like a couple of interviews with uh, Shannon Emmerich and Mike Haimoto for like their podcast, and I listened in on a couple of their oh, interviews. Oh, okay. I, I didn't, didn't know, know about that. that. Yeah, so something interesting I learned with uh, Mike in particular was that uh, Mike was helping, that Mike was assisting on uh, some of the early episodes. Mm. And apparently he found out that he was being cast as Thorfinn while he was working on his episodes. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh hey, cool! I finished up with the ba- with baby Thorfinn. Hey, do you want to gonna... play grown up Thorfinn? Fuck what? <laughs> no, I, no, I can just imagine like, hey, um, it doesn't actually say uh, who we're booking to play older Thorfinn in the next episode. Kyle, just like, what's your surprise? Sh- what's your schedule? What's your schedule like? <laughs> what's your schedule like, Mike? <laughs> For the next, uh, I don't know, like couple months. <laughs> That's a funny way to find out, too. That's great. That's amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait. Mike! Oh, boy. Hmm. So, uh, who, who wants to take the swing at this one? Or the... I mean... Like, I'm... <laughs> I'm gonna be real here. Yeah. In a show that has had so many career highlights for so many actors... Mm-hmm. Guess what? <laughs> oh, here we go again! Thor slams the cup down. Another! <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> the, in a just world, uh, this yeah, uh, teenage Thorfinn would be the role that puts the name Mike Haimoto in more mouths. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of, like, people who watch anime dubs but don't necessarily like follow them to the level we do right because we're obsessed because we're crazy (laughs) to me it's just kind of a shame of the um of the manner in which one the means one has to go through in order to like via legal means watch this dub yeah because like you actually have to go through, huh? You kind of either got to blind buy it or already be a fan who wanted it. Yep. Right. Yeah, it's not streaming, like, is it? Oh wow, I forgot. It's still like not I may have more to say about this in final thoughts, but it's like mm-hmm. it's hard to recommend dubs when you actually have to put in like thirty, forty bucks in order to yeah. In order to, like, actually experience it. I know that's the way a lot of us have done it, but... Mm -hmm. 
Um, anyway, because we're crazy. Get... <laughs> we're a bunch of old thoughts. Anyway, um, getting back to like Mike Himoto, because I'll, I'm gonna put a pin in that thought for for final thoughts. Um, okay. Like, it is incredibly strong, especially when you stop to consider. The character of Thorfinn is not one note, mm -hmm. but he definitely gets that perception. Yeah. Because uh, he's not just like, it's not just some angry kid out for revenge. Like, there is actual complexity to the character of Thorfinn. But at the same time, like... God, I'm, I'm having really little bit of trouble actually putting this to words but i believe in is it, you. yeah is it, yeah yeah he, yeah he does have one very default mood but it also very clear that he's like that he is like so kind of struggling to make sense of things in his own mind yeah there we go you say yeah and yeah and, yeah, and well he is like one mood a lot of the time he does definitely he has his quieter moments like I think one thing that was, like, really interesting was that, like, shortly after they, like, had that whole battle with the French board, it's a, and they're all, like, partying, and he's, like, on the boat chatting with, like, uh, this one slave girl, and she's like, oh, it's a, it's a, and, she, and she's like, oh, I get the feeling that your situation is similar to mine, and he, like, tries to play it off as, like, we're completely different. But... In actuality, it's, it's, a sim it's a very similar situation. Yeah, it, it's a very similar situation, and then, like, it's, it's a, and then, like, so, and then you hear him, like, in a surprisingly calm tone, like, talking about Vinland mm -hmm. and how, like, it, and how, and how it's this paradise where there's no slavers, like, far to, like, far to the east. And, and, so, and, so, and, so, and while he's, like, trying to, and while he, while in the context he's supposedly saying it to her to try to convince her there's a better life, it's also, in his own mind, he's trying to say it to himself. Right, because even yeah. though, even though, like, when his dad is, is murdered um and uh, effectively in Thorfinn's character that's where the innocence has died Vinland is the one thing still he's a still attached to like even when he re he gets reunited with Leif like Leif is talking about his mom and his sister and that's the last thing on Thorfinn's mind he wants to know about Vinland again like that is the one thing that is still like like little kid Thorfinn still believes in, and has, that's the last shred of essentially his innocence in a way, if that makes sense. It does. It's the one last piece of humanity he has left in himself. That's the wording. Yep, that's the last bit of humanity. Yep, that's better wording. Yeah, yeah, and also while Mike Thorfinn does have to play a lot of uh, teenage Thorfinn's uh, whole angry mood. Uh, so, uh, there is a, so, uh, there is a bit uh, in between uh, old in between younger Thorfinn and older Thorfinn when like uh, so, uh, when he gets picked up by a uh, couple of English people like very early on <gasps> yeah and uh, so, uh, yeah and so, and they're so, and they're harboring mm -hmm. him and so, and so, and, uh, so, so, and uh, he's still you know trying to make sense of things early on so. Mm -hmm. So he knows Ocelot's band is coming, and he does try to warn them. Yeah. But when, uh, but when things go south, he eventually, so he eventually joins in, and that is, 
That's not again. That's not the exact moment where he loses his innocence necessarily, but it is where like you can tell the darkness has kind of like fully settled in, and like mm-hmm. he's accepted that this is his wife now. It, it, it's it's not how he didn't. He was given a glimmer of hope in that moment, and then when Osclod and the band invaded, that hope was just dashed at that point. Yeah. Because it was a reminder of his home in Iceland. So having that gave him a tiny bit of shred of hope again. And then it was just gone. Like, that was it. And then, like you said, Jed, he kind of just settled into what was happening at that point. But, oh boy. My journey with my Kaimoto has been an interesting one in the show. Care to share with the class? Oh boy, so you were just talking about this. He, Mike essentially, I'm going to refer to it as like pubescent Thorfinn, I guess. Tween. Tween Thorfinn and actual teenage Thorfinn, right? So we get the transition into tween Thorfinn, uh, and that's the whole bit with them raiding that English village and he be and Thorfinn being harbored by a woman and his and her daughter. And I was like, okay, this is fine. This is standard Mike Himoto fare for me. But then it skips to Teen Thorfinn, and this is just early on in like I think in like the same episode really. And I'm just like I don't know. I feel like something is missing from this. Something is missing for me to really like and enjoy Mike Himoto as Thorfinn. And then we see him duel Askeladd for the first time. And what I realized I was missing in that performance was hand delivered to me on a fucking silver platter by Mike, and that was the bloodlust. The bloodlust and the rage that Thorfinn has against Askeladd. That was what I was missing before that. And then just the fucking angry, like, blood-curdling screams is like, you bastard! Like, I was like, okay, that's what I was missing. Now I'm in. (laughs) Like, I'm game. Let's go. (laughs) Like, that was essentially my journey (laughs) with Mike Kaimoto. (laughs) Congratulations, Mike. You scream really fucking good. Oh my god. Uh, Speaking of Oswald, he gets a lot of really great moments in him, but I think, like, one of the more interesting scenes with him is, like, at the end of their is that at the end of their second big duel in the show, like the really serious one, so, uh, so where you, so where you can tell that by that point, Aswan is kind of like fed up with this whole thing, and like when and when he's so fed up with the whole thing, like he basically breaks down like how he's been using Thor for this whole time, and he's like, oh, you know, I should really thank you for your service. Oh, and I should thank Thor as oh, well. Oh, is that the same one? And where like, he, and, is that the same one where he um puts Bjorn down right before that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And what he says, I should thank Thor as well. Like, oh, and, so, that was... and you could tell, you could just tell by like the way Thor's look. That was like twisting the knife. Oh in. yeah, because the problem is, and Oscalod has a really good, is really receptive and really observant with people. He knows how to get under Thorfinn's skin. He knows how to get under basically anybody's skin. He knows Thorfinn is a brilliant warrior and is really smart and cunning in battle but is very short-sighted is very short-sighted and the second you you light his fuse 
all strategy and reason mm-hmm. goes out of the mind and he, he becomes a feral animal. And Oscalot even points that out during that scene. Like, he's like, y- after all these years, like, the second I rile, rile your feathers up, you just lose it. Like, like that's your, that's your flaw right there, kiddo. Like, but no, like, Mike is, oh my god. After I got that bloodlust and that rage, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. here, I'm here. I'm sold. Let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> and the nonchalant way that Mike just plays Thorfinn is like, ah, what do you fucking want? I don't care. <laughs> the, the slight edgelord that Thorfinn is. It's so good. Like, it, and again, we were talking about earlier about Canute as well. Like, his interactions with Canute, where it's just like, Basically, like, poking, like, not even poking at Canute, basically, like, smacking Canute in the arm, like, bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> just, like, pushing <laughs> his buttons. Like, he doesn't, he's, he's very blunt. He's <laughs> just like, fuck off, bro. Like, it's really good. Like, there's a lot of aspects to Thorfinn's character that Mike, I think, just really hits. And it's, I love mm-hmm. it, dude. Again, it took me a minute on the early onset because of that one little piece that I was missing because there wasn't that opportunity for him yet to really showcase it. And the second he showcased it, it's like, okay, done. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Like, I'll be honest. Vinland Saga is the kind of show where ham, snap, and banter really isn't necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one of those shows where, like, I actually appreciate more of the little nuances than, like, like, big, like, actors being big and boisterous. Mm -hmm. It's the subtleties. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, that's why I appreciate Mike Haimoto as um, as Thorfinn so much. It's just like it's not trying to be this big grandiose Shakespearean kind of character. It's it's just a kid. A broken kid. Yep. Trying to find his place in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's really kind of a beautiful addition to a really beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's phenomenal, man. Yeah, and and I was going to say one other big moment that that I thought Mike handled really well. Uh, When Ashwan finally dies. Yes. Yeah. And there's this, yeah, and there's just, like, and there's just this mix of like, you know, Thorfinn's usual anger and also just like this very clear sadness to it because like, because what because like well uh, well you know he's made it his life's quest to kill this man, he has made it this, his life's quest to kill this man. He doesn't know what to do him do with himself now, so he's like so he so even though he's wanted to kill Aswan all the time, he's like pleading with Aswan to stay alive. Yeah, because I I feel like in that moment. 
it's like... He's losing his father all over again. Yeah, like he doesn't realize it. It's even framed the same way with the white, everything going white, and all that's left is him yes. holding on to him the as framing, he fades away. 100%. The framing of that scene in general is like... A direct parallel. Yeah. And, and it just works so well. And, you know, watching the show, like, I had that sudden thought as he's, like, crying and pleading for Ashalad to get back up. Mm-hmm. Like, if he had actually been the one to plunge the sword into Ashalad's gut, mm-hmm. would he be acting the same? That's true. And I personally, I think he absolutely would. I think he would, too. Yeah. 100%. Like, he, as much as Thorfinn, like, hates Ashlad with every fiber of his being for killing his dad. He gave him purpose. He gave him purpose. Exactly. He gave him purpose. He gave him a direction. He gave him a life. And now the question is, and what's going to be interesting in future seasons, what now? Where do the seas take the boy? What now? What is he supposed to do now? Like, because, again, like Ashlad said, you didn't think about what you would do after I was dead? You really are a stupid kid. <laughs> like, it is the most serious version of Plankton saying, I don't really know what to do now. I never thought I'd get this far. We're really going back to Spongebob? We're really going back to Spongebob. Oh, Christ. But no, it's... <sighs> Can I just say, at least... Like leading cast, i.e., Thorfinn, Asklad, Torkel, Canute, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, again, this is why I say, Jet, I love you, and I fucking hate you. <laughs> and with that. Oh, I don't know if there was anything. If, I don't know if there's anything else to be said at this, story, this, this point, guys. Mike's pretty fucking good. <gasps> yeah. Bro. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's as good a paper that he do move into battle thoughts. Oh my god, we've been going on for almost three hours. Holy shit! There's a lot to talk about. There's also taking quite a little time that I was Honestly, uh, you, thought we, you thought we would have hit the three I'm and a half by this point? I'm kind of with Jet. This is actually taking less time than I thought we, it would. So. You guys thinking we would, yeah. we would be close to three and a half? Alright, that's All right. fair. So you know what? Let's let's keep this to good time. I I honestly figured we would be going into like Great Pretender territory. Oh, oh god, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Fuck, man. But I mean, we're almost done anyway, so. Yeah, we're on final thoughts at this stage, yep. so. So, who, who so should go first? The, I mean, Patrick, the floor is already yours. Well, hold okay. on. It's, yeah, Jet, um... it's Jet's call, so. Uh, no, it's here. Patrick, you go ahead. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take the pin out of the uh, conversation I started in Thorfinn's section. Well, um, well, let's, let's circle back now. Let's go. <laughs> in a just world where. Amazon had not picked this show up and Sentai just had it. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been one that I could have seen them absolutely like pitch to Adult Swim. Yeah. You know, do this massive, like, big promotional blitz while it was on High Dive. Oh, absolutely. Like, I see it that. It would have, like, Eyeballs would have been on this, mm-hmm. like, immediately. They would have had a dub, like, right then and there. But then again, that also raises the question, like, would 
the people that we are now saying, you know, this is one of the performances of their career, mm -hmm. would they have been able to perform the roles, you know? Like, or, or would they have little... been cast by somebody else? That's it's all, it's right. all circumstance. It's true, because if suddenly Japan's like, oh, this is going to be on Toonami, they would have more control. That's true. Well, I mean, more necessarily, like, the timing of everything. That, that's and... more what I meant. Oh, gotcha, yeah, yeah, Because yeah, there's yeah. people yeah. who were in this dub now that were not in dub back then. Oh, you think primarily, like, a Mike Haimoto or a Joe Daniels, essentially, right? Sort of, yeah. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, they, I mean, like, they were around, but they weren't as a staff. They weren't as a staff. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm meaning more in the terms of, like, the butterfly effect. Um, like, the little change of Sentai dubbing it sooner might have affected how it ended up getting cast and whatnot. That's fair. Um, yeah. But, like, the show I absolutely recommend, like, without question. But it's a little trickier to say, like... Do you spend $40 of your money to order a Blu-ray of this, mm -hmm. of the show? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I can tell you it is absolutely worth the money, but like not everybody has the 40, 40 bucks to blow on it. Mm -hmm. Um, not everybody has the means to play back Blu-rays anymore because now streaming is king. Um, so it is a little trickier to recommend, but if you have the means, absolutely do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope this ends up one of, sort of the, um, ends up like some of their other Amazon pickups that they dubbed that kind of end up on High Dive a little later. Like um, a Maiden, like a Maiden Abyss situation? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, or, or probably more accurate to what's going on now, because like wish. they had made, made they, bleh, they basically had made an abyss from the very beginning as mm -hmm. it was debuting. Like, Do you this mean is a little like more a of like wish? a Kokaku or Scum's Wish. Okay, yeah. Where they did end up on High Dive a little later. Gotcha. Um, okay. In a just world, like something like high dive or adult swim would be still in the cards a little later True. and i hope it gets that chance because mm -hmm. this is the kind of dub that like i want as many eyeballs on as humanly possible mm. like it is definitely one of the big grandiose dubs of the year yeah for sure and when I can say, like, the biggest complaint I have about it is how you get access to it. Yeah, this is like, a lot. Like, that's saying something. This is a lot, yeah. So, yeah, mm -hmm. like, this is one of my absolute favorite dubs at this point, and, like, um, I hope like circumstances allow it to have a better chance to flourish and thrive. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well said. Mm. Uh Steph. Oh um Weird licensing circumstances aside on this one. Um I am also very sad that really the only way in North America 
I'm gonna say, is to drop that 30-40 bucks on a Blu-ray. As sad as it is that that is currently the only way you can watch this show, I'm also in the camp of it's fucking worth it. Because <laughs> I... I had only heard of Vinland Saga by name only in the fact that it was about Vikings. I've heard about the manga, I had heard about the show because this came out in 2019. Um, knew nothing else, didn't know the story, didn't know the characters, nothing. I am very happy to have watched this show. It blew me, it blew my expectations out of the water on this. And it is an amazing epic tale that for all intents and purposes with what we're covering right now is just getting started. <laughs> like, and the weird circumstances of the dubs aside, I say dubs because there's two technically, um, I really love the Sentai one so much. Like, the only minor flaw is maybe some background performances and maybe a couple minor characters but on the early onset that's it other than that like the, you want to say something can i please finish my thoughts andrew uh, sorry i was waiting for you to finish your thing i was you look like you're about to interrupt me i'm sorry i was gonna like move the filter slightly because i saw a little hair on it i was like well, that's the cat. That's your son for you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's your son. I wasn't trying to kill your vibe. I was, like, legit just looking at it. It was bugging me. Oh, Lord. Anyway, like, the only minor issues I had with the dub were just some of the minor characters, with the performances there, and some of the secondary performances on the, on the early onset. Other than that, like, it is so strong. The writing is just made to be that epic, to with all this prose, it like to be this like valiant effort, uh, and the direction is just stellar because you have God again. I hate the fact that dubbies are a thing right now because these the. Four fucking performances that I'm gonna be sitting here mulling. I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do about it? Cause like hard choices have to be made. I know, and it sucks. And we'll do them. I know it sucks, but um, no, like career defining is an understatement. I think I I would say especially, I would argue especially at least in the cases of Mike, like Mike and Joe. These are like. Like, if they weren't names known to you at this stage in, in the world, because you're not us and we follow shit like this on, a, on the daily, you should know them now. And this also further solidifies why actors like David Wall and Josh Greeley are really good at what they do. You know what I mean? It's, it's so fucking good. Like, it is worth your time. Please pick it up. <sighs> Fuck, it's so good. I love it. I'm done. Hey, this dub's pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's a pretty good dub. I enjoyed it. The show really captivated me. I knew it was good. I'm really glad you gave me a reason to watch it, Jet. Yes. I was, I was fucking gripped. There was things I knew about it. There was things I didn't know about it that shook me to my core. Mm -hmm. 
This cast was pretty goddamn strong. This was a really compelling watch. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that season two is good or that things work out that maybe this cast comes back. We'll, oh, please. we'll see how that goes. There is... There is a not impossible possibility that Netflix picks up season two. Please don't say that. I don't want to talk about that, this right That now. dub cast is for the dub of season two. <sighs> Sentai picks up the rights for home video for Vinland Saga season two. And then that cast and then reprises. Kaki, and then we have a Kakarui situation. It's possible. And, and then that becomes, it. It, it would be weird, but it's not an impossibility. It'd be weird, but I it'd be it's not impossible, and I would fucking hate it. But <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to kill all the vibe with licensing shenanigans, speculation. I'm just gonna say I'm really happy with the work that the team at Sentai put into mm-hmm. this. This was really, really good, and it, the show was really gripping and engaging. And I'm glad I got to finally watch it. It so, is worth the buy for home video, even if it's a blind buy. I'm not kidding. It's worth the buy for a standard or a limited edition whenever the fuck that comes out. That one's been delayed for a while. It's probably gonna be beefy. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So picking uh, off, uh, piggybacking off what everyone else has said. Uh, yeah, this is a really fantastic show in general. Uh, I mean, I've heard great things about the manga for years, so I was really excited for the show when it finally came out, and it was really good. So I was glad that it finally managed to get a dub after being locked in a habitat jail for a while. And while I wasn't expecting Sentai to get it, uh, they really did a backup job with this dub. Like, it's pretty well casted across the board, a lot of really strong performances, really good scripts, some really cool adaptable choices. Uh, it kind of sucks it's kind of getting lost in the shovel between this whole, like, two-done situation, but you should definitely, uh, you should definitely give this one a shot if you can. I know, like, having to, having to buy this, that is kind of annoying, but if you can buy it, uh, it's just worth, it's, I mean, it's worth doing the show in general, so there is that, but also this stuff is really good. It's worth every penny. So, uh, so, yeah, uh. Basically, uh, Boss Midland Saga is real good. It's very good. It's good. It's good. I'm quoting Amon. It good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that more or last brings us away close for tonight. So uh, we are the uh, we are the Dub Talk podcast. You can find us on uh, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Tumblr that is so dead. Instagram for us is also dead, but you know. <laughs> Twitter's Twitter's the big one if you want to keep up to we date. We may with us. later find more of a use for our Instagram than our Tumblr. Let's be real. Eventually. Maybe we'll make maybe we'll make a TikTok. Who yeah. knows? Oh God. Yeah, uh, we uh, yeah we have uh, new episodes going up uh, every Friday on YouTube as well as audio only versions on uh, Spotify, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you invite to support anything we do, we do a, you can support it through a one-time donation to our Kofi, or you can be one of our lovely patrons. And before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout-out to our patrons. Uh, in the $5 tier, we have Megan's Mom and Dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Siri Tweedy, and Victor Mayermona. And in our $10 tier, we have Carly Lessacow, Chris Minikinda, 
Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, OEW, Wendy, and Otaku. Actually, before you continue and on, want to give a shout out to Victor Mayborda in particular because thanks you, buddy. You gifted me my copy of Vinland Saga oh, for my yeah. birthday. That, okay, oh, so badass. Hell yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he got me that for my birthday. Really glad. I appreciate that. I, I wasn't going to get it. I was going to maybe wait for it. But he just messaged me out of the blue one day. It was like, hey. Did anybody buy you this yet? I'm like, no. Cool, I bought it for you. Enjoy. Cool, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank, thanks a bunch, N1. Love you, buddy. Oh, okay. I, I didn't put two together. That who that is. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But no, thanks a million, man. Hey, uh, so before we uh, completely finish things up here, is there anything you guys would like to plug? Hi, my name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me over on Twitter at Mangoman9000. If you would like to see some of the other things I do outside of the Dub Talk podcast, I am a host on the anime news podcast, Podcast ONA, alongside fellow Dub Talk cohort, Jet. How you doing, Jet? Plug yourself, my boy. Uh, yeah, I'm Jet. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, that Divine where I will uh, be talking about... Uh, Anime news, manga news, cartoon news, or just whatever is going on. Um, and at the end of the day, you can also find me on Podcast ONA. And uh, yeah, we're a pretty good time. Don't you also do some things for ANN from time to time? Um, yeah, I do reviews occasionally. Nice! Yay! Awesome. Do you want to go, go Patrick? You want me to go? Um, sure. Um, my name is Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice. You can find me on the Twitter.com, at Roots of Justice. Uh, mainly retweet cute animal pics, talk fandom stuff. It's a good time. But you can follow me. Um, I'm trying to get back into the writing and review game, because I now have a bit of free time to be able to do that. Um, and for this episode, I would like to do the thing I kind of started with the Godzilla Singular Point episode. Um... It is time for Roots' cool thing of the day, where I ooh, tell you ooh. about a thing I didn't know this was that a thing. I find cool. I didn't know this was a thing. This what? is new. I started the thing. Um, today's Roots' cool thing of the day is, in fact, two cool things of the day, because they follow along a general theme. Okay. Um, it is two YouTube channels. Um, one of them is called Local58TV. Okay. And the other is called the Mandela Catalog. <gasps> I um, heard about that one! Um, their thing is they are basically like little short clips, but as it turns out, they are like analog VHS horror. Yeah, I heard about Mandela um, uh, Catalog. They each tell a collective narrative through these like absolutely kind of creepy and disturbing little clips. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, Local 58 basically takes a perspective of, like, a news channel um, that takes really bizarre and, like, horrifying turns. And then, actually, the Mandela catalog kind of does the same thing with, like, like, local TV broadcasts that just take really bizarre turns. Um, they're just, like, they're really cleverly written, really, um, actually, Local 58 TV just came back, and apparently they're doing a thing where it's a lot of little 
they're leaving little breadcrumbs throughout the internet, and it's, like, spectacular. So, I highly recommend the both of them. Give them a check out. I watched, um... Who did I fucking watch? I watched, um... Jacksepticeye react to, um... Uh, the Mandela... Um... The Mandela fuck. catalog? Thank you. I was about to say... I was about to say Chronicle. I'm like, that's not the word. <laughs> I watched I watched him react to some videos from Mandela Catalog. I'm like, holy shit, this is my brand of shit. Um, anyway, uh, my name is Stephanie. You can I'm also sometimes known as Lilac. You can find me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E V U E. I haven't updated my blog in a hot minute, but if you're curious of what I, I do there, it's Life and Times Otaku.wordpress.com. I also want to say this because no, none of y'all fucking said it. So Dub Talk has a Twitch as well, mm. and all four of us tend to play games on it. <laughs> like, for instance, I have been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. I will still probably be playing Animal Crossing New Horizons even at the time this episode comes out. You can't really beat Animal Crossing unlike most games. There's a lot though. I like <laughs> I I at recording at the time recording this, I streamed earlier today. I'm terraforming my fucking island. It's great. And I also did my second day with like Happy Home Paradise. I love it. Anyway, and I'm also sometimes in the room when Andrew streams. Um, we, well, technically we go back and forth, but he's technically streaming right now. What are you I, playing, buddy? At the time of this recording, I'm currently playing the wonderful I, the Somnium Files, which has been a trip and a half to go through. Oh, yeah. I've been losing my mind every fucking stream, and a bunch of my friends who have played the game are just giggling in their fucking chairs watching me lose my mind. Yeah, so... It's so fucking wild. I can't... I can't wait for that sequel game. I think I have to buy the collector's edition now. So, so I stream Animal Crossing on Sundays and Wednesday afternoons. He streams I on Sunday night. Um, and you two f gentlemen also do streams as well. So, mm -hmm. I don't know um, if you Jet, want to talk about you go that first briefly. And talk about yours. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, currently streaming Thirteen uh, Sentinel Do This Room. It's a uh, pretty good little uh, mystery No, it, I've been having fun watching you play that. It's like, holy shit, there's a lot to this. <laughs> My favorite's All still right. the, the little baby robot. What's his fucking name? Can't remember the baby robot's name, but also Talking Cat. Anyway, sorry. Your turn, Patrick. And, and um, I stream on Saturdays. Um, at the time of recording, I am about to start Deathloop. Um, I plan to play that for, like, uh, however long it takes to beat it. Um, it, it is mid-December right now, and I'm going to be taking a lot of hiatuses <coughs> due to, you know, the holidays. Um, but I plan to finish that, and then I'm going to make the announcement here on the stream that when I finish Deathloop, I am going to go through the entirety of Danganronpa Decadence. Oh, oh boy! Ooh. Oh so man, that is now I hate you. I was Danganronpa, considering that, but now I gotta see this. That is Danganronpa, Danganronpa 2, Danganronpa V3, and then, oh, what was the name of the, the fourth um, game they include in the collection? Uh, Danganronpa S, though admittedly, I kind of wanted to try that one myself, so. Either way, yo, fucking okay, have fun so, with that. Anyways. Like, I, I may do Danganronpa S on stream, I may do it later, but, like, 1, 2, and V3 are the big ones that 
I plan to get through. Hot damn, all right. Nice. Heck yeah. God, it's late. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, not that it's, bad. It's, it's, a, it's really a little late. after. It's a little after eleven. We're raking. I'm tired. Yeah. As a, as a, uh, yeah, yeah. This isn't too. Yeah, this is slightly earlier than I was expecting to finish. But I was also admittedly pretty tired when we started. So I, I'm okay calling. <laughs> it's it Wednesday. Back. What do you expect? Oh God, we are dating this one so bad. Anyway. <laughs> what a week. But Captain, it's week. Wednesday. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, bring us home, Jet. Uh, so, uh, thanks for, uh, so, uh, thanks for joining us for, uh, this little voyage. And, uh, until next time, Otaku on. Good night, everybody, and Otaku on. Goodbye! Good night, everybody, and Otaku on, Bandaba.